Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, June the 24th, 2015, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Mr. Bob Ryer. Happy summer. And on the line with Mr. Steve Say. Yo, yo. Uh, Ms. Stephanie Cook will be joining us just a little bit later. Um, She is stuck in traffic on her way home from work, working in an office. It'll do it. Ain't all it's cracked up to be. Um, so <laughs> she will be joining us in a little bit, and then um, actually for our book of the week, which will be the fiction uh, by uh, Curtis Pierce and David Rubin, um, we will be uh, joined by Joey Bertino, who reviewed it for the website. That website would be talkingcomicbooks.com. I hope that hadn't changed. If, if you folks are listening and don't know about the website, well, a lot more people listen to the podcast than go to the website, so it's important to share that information with people. Hmm. Um, Knowing is half the battle, Bob. It's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Steve, you are in Canada. I am. How's it going? It's going pretty good, man. Uh, I've been having a, a good couple of days. I went to the movies the other day and I saw Inside Out. All right. Uh, the new Pixar film. It was absolutely spectacular. Uh, it is without a doubt the best thing that they've done in years. They've been pumping out a lot of sequels lately, and they've finally gone back to something original. And just the the world and the ideas and the the connectivity of characters uh, within the film were astonishing. Um, my girlfriend saw it with me, and of course, she at one point was an eleven year old girl uh, going through several things, several emotions, and whatnot. And it blew her away as to how relatable uh, it is. And uh, just a, an absolutely wonderful film. If anybody gets the chance to go and see it, I wholly recommend it. And the other thing is, today, of all days, I've waited 19 years to hear the latest uh, Failure album that has been that was teased last year, and I was freaking out about it on the show. Today, they streamed it live early. I got to hear it, and it was like an hour where I was just completely and totally happy with a huge smile on my face. And uh, it's nice when something that you've waited that long to come out. It comes out and it's as amazing as amazing as you hoped it would be. So, I'll be listening to that from now until the day that I am no longer here. Wow, <laughs> it's amazing! It really is. It's it's pretty much the sequel to my second favorite album of all time, and it picks up right where the last one left off, like nearly twenty years later, and just the the lyrics and the concepts and. Just the way it shifts in mood and tone, and and the band almost sounds like a completely different band on certain songs. There's elements of the Beatles and Pink Floyd in there, and it's just 
absolutely spectacular and I can't wait to really dig into it. Like I listened to it from the beginning to end one time and let it, I'm going to let it sink in a little bit and then go back to it. But I'm sure I'll be, I'll be playing it and people get really sick and tired of being around me when it's on. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm stoked. I'm, uh, very, very, very happy today. Awesome. Nice. Awesome. Uh, yeah. we, we have a big, big show this week. A bunch of news broke uh, before the podcast came out. Uh, we've got people leaving books. We've got people coming on to new books. We've got new books being announced. We've got big, huge movie news to happen. Um, of course, we have our lightning rounds, our books of the week, and our shared book of the week I mentioned before, The Fiction. Uh, so we're going to get... We're going to get uh, the movie news out of the way right away, which is that we have a new Spider-Man. Uh, <sighs> Tom Holland, who was in a movie called The Impossible, has been cast as as Peter Parker. Um, and he will make his first appearance uh, in Civil War, Captain America Civil War. Uh, so we, we obviously, I don't really know Tom Holland much. I haven't seen The Impossible, so I don't know his, his work. Uh, as an actor, um, his look is if they're if they're doing Peter Parker, he looks like a he looks very young. Yeah, I, junior in high school, young. Yeah, very very young, which is what they always said they were going for, which is good. Uh, <laughs> How old is he in real life? He's like nineteen or something like yeah, that. He's oh, okay, 19. yeah. Uh, but they always said they wanted somebody who was young. They 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 were they would need somebody over the age of eighteen because they they don't want to be kind of beholden to. You know the strict laws, rules that yep. go with hiring minors, um, especially for shoots like that with big effects shoots and, and big huge shoots like that. So they want to hire somebody older than age, but they need to find somebody young. That's why they were talking about Aja Butterfield, who had been Hugo and who was in Ender's Game. He will. Uh, they passed on him, and Tom Holland is that is that person. He's also a dancer, and there were there were these videos that they put out these the Instagram videos of him doing backflips and you know flips off roofs and all this oh, kind of stuff. Was he doing it in his backyard his, or something? Yeah, his like backyard. That. Yeah, um, some really pretty amazing moves for for just a, a kid to, to be doing. But um, you know, I I had a interesting discussion about this with Jeremy Whitley, uh, who writes Princeless mm-hmm. on Twitter. Him not being very excited at all uh, for thing, and I think it's something that some people share. You know, this is obviously going to be, I, I think, our what our, our sixth. Peter Parker led Spider-Man movie uh, when it hits in 2017, uh, and obviously Civil War in 2016. I don't know how big we don't know how big his part's going to be in that movie yet. And I think some people are, you know, maybe a little bit tired of it. I, you know, I guess that it's it's it'll be six movies in in 15, 14 years, fifteen years at, at that point, which is a lot of movies in fifteen years. Um, I don't know, Bob. How are you feeling about this? Well, it's now a new set of Spider-Man movies for Sony with Marvel doing this? Are they redoing the origin again? They said they're not. They said... Okay, that's a help. They said the idea of this is that he will have been Spider-Man for a while. He would exist in New York as kind of like an un, like kind of an urban legend kind of thing that, that people have seen him, and, but he hasn't really been outed and he's not, uh, you know, he's not known um, and, and that's how it's going to come to pass in Civil War and then the story will continue in, in, in Spider-Man. Okay. So for me... Sony has this one franchise that they can play with. And they had made mention of some female-led movie that made no sense because they don't own any of those characters. You were going to make Spider-Gwen or something. Is it possible that they will certainly add Miles? Not 
replace Peter with Miles, but have both. Mm. I don't know if they'll go alternate universe, but they're going to want to expand their horizons. And that seems unnatural, but you're going to have to establish this new Spider-Man, this new Peter, mm -hmm. to me first. Yeah, could we have gone that route right now? Probably, because mm -hmm. everyone does know Spider-Man. But this is a new, a new set of executives, I guess, after all those that letter-writing crapple and everything <laughs> else that went on over there. It seems that they're going to want to... They're playing poker, and they're going to win some money first, and then start betting with house money right? once they've gotten something established. Yeah, yeah. Steve, how are you feeling about a new Peter Parker Spider-Man? Um, honestly, I don't know how much I feel for it. I uh, I heard the news, I guess it was this morning, and I saw you know a lot of the outcry online and stuff like that. And um, I'm a little bit more interested in who the director is because um, I know Spider-Man's going to be making his appearance in Civil War, but we've got this John Watts mm -hmm. uh, is going to be the director for the new Spider-Man film. He doesn't have a whole lot under his belt. I mean, we've seen this before with Marvel, but they must know something that I don't because we've got Cop Car Clown, our RoboCop remake, uh, Eugene and the Fuzz, both TV movies. Yeah, Cop Car was a Sundance movie this year that oh, okay. I got very good reviews. Um, coming off of it, I haven't seen it. I just, mm -hmm. in, in, I didn't, and I, I, I'm not saying this to someone who I'm not like I knew this before this announcement was made either. I read this after the announcement was made. You know, people started talking about it, so I, I was like, oh, who is this person? Um, it, right. it was a thriller that came out, um, and uh, the general consensus it has some pacing problems, but very, very well drawn scenes, very well drawn characters. Um, right. and, and like you said, Marvel has kind of a history of, of doing this kind of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, we got the guys, uh, or the I forgot if it was two or one, but the the Yumi and Dupree, the Russo brothers, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So, I mean, mm -hmm. if anything can can be turned around and and made into something really pretty spectacular, that's evidence of that. So, who knows? Um, as far as my excitement levels, sure, you know, like they're going to be doing it. I, I would rather see Spider Man in the Civil War film than have them right around it. And if, if that's what they're doing and that's what it makes sense to bring him into before they go whole hog with a whole other series, that's fine. I just hope that they, if they're going to do Spider-Man, I hope that they choose some new villains and kind of make some of the stuff in it matter. Because in the last movies, like I was really attached to the relationship of Gwen and Peter, but not a whole lot else so i really like to see them focus down on like spider-man and his rogues gallery or his villains and stuff like that i want to see some good solid action from the next spider-man movie you know we've hit so many of those other notes that really make spider-man a great story in other films um but some of the action bits i think have been missing from from the um from those films just me personally you yeah, know i i would agree with you on that i think that I com I completely understand people who are, I guess I w uh, you would say um, disinterested in another one of these movies because they feel like they've seen it so many times. Mm -hmm. I think we talked about this in the, in the initial kind of announcement, but for me, I don't feel like I feel like both sets of movies have gotten different things right about the character, but neither n neither set of movies has gotten it all right. I, I never felt like I was getting um, the Peter Parker slash Spider Man. I just wanted to see full hog on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, those Sam Raimi movies happened too early for that to happen. And the amazing Spider-Man movies just, uh, 
they, they suffered from, I think, mainly um, uh, having a director or having a studio that didn't know what they wanted to do. Um, or maybe a director who didn't know what he wanted to do, but a studio who had, had their mm-hmm. own ideas. And we, we heard the all the way back with the Raimi stuff, right? When they were like, no, you have to put Venom in this movie, and he hated Venom, and they made him do it anyway. We heard about some stuff with, like that on Amazing Spider-Man 2. Uh, and, and I think that with Marvel kind of at the helm, even though they're not putting up their money for it, and I guess technically, I mean, I don't know what the what the, the, the contracts say, Sony really has the control over it. It seems like the whole point of this is to let Marvel do their thing with the character. Yes. And I would hope that that would mean we get one really great Peter Parker Spider-Man movie. And then who knows where that goes from there. I mean, they've always uh, abandoned the high school thing very quickly. In both series, they had, they had one movie. And even then, the high school stuff was very kind of in in the background you know mm-hmm. yeah. uh the actual high school time and the main spider-man one it was a little bit more there but uh, you know they never really have done committed to a series of movies about the kid in high school which is what they i think what, what feige has always said that, that they wanted to do with the character right was to stick him in high school and keep him there so i want to see what they can do with that uh i definitely hope they bring in miles i definitely hope they bring in you know, other characters from the universe, you know, Spider-Woman, Spider-Gwen, wh- whatever they might do, you know, with those Silk, whatever they might yeah. do with those characters. I want to see those. Other, I want to see the Spider-Family characters in there because I think it has a great, rich universe that has only gotten richer and greater in the last couple of years. Uh, right. But I, I, I want to see them get that mix right, you know, because I love Andrew Garfield as the character, but there are things about him that aren't quite the way I'd want them to be. You know, I, he's a little bit too broody at, at times you know uh but he gets this, when he's in the suit he's perfect you know he's got yeah. that that wit about him and, and you know i feel like you know toby mcguire nailed kind of the dorkiness factor of it but never he always felt like this like kind of a wet blanket in the suit he was never really the joy wasn't there the fun wasn't there if we can get a kind of a mix of the both of them together i feel like we can get something pretty great i always said if we had Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone in the Sam Raimi movies. Yeah, right. It yes. would be the perfect mix, probably. Yeah, definitely. And and I want to see I want to see them do, you know, I want to see them mine the idea that he's a kid because we don't have that in the Marvel universe at all. They're all grown people, yeah. you know, who who have their lives together for the most part and are doing their thing. I think we're going to see a little bit different thing in Ant Man. Obviously, he's a he's a thief, he's a criminal, all this kind of stuff. But I think that we haven't. We everyone's an adult. We haven't seen any of the kid stuff. We haven't seen any of that. Um, that more and wide-eyed aspect to the universe, and I want to see them do that. Uh, yeah. So I'm excited about it. Steve. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I'm just agreeing with you. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, all right then. Spe- spe- <laughs> yes. Speaking of Ant Man, argue with that. Yeah. Kevin Feige announced or said today in some interview that you will see Janet Van Dyne yes. as the Wasp in yes. Ant Man. And you, they said there's going to be. They, they just start the last interview I read before that one. They just started talking about the. The past stuff, the 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 Hank in mm-hmm. in the, in the '60s or '70s, I guess it would be stuff as, as the Ant Man, which I, it's great. I I want to I I'm very anxious to see how that relates and how they draw that and how and how yeah. is he like he's the first or I guess not the first because I guess Captain America would be the first, huh. but what exists around him? You know, is there some sort of other like proto Avengers? kind of happening are there other Those avengers 59 from that howie exactly, jacob series yeah, or yeah. ages of atlas or something It'd be a lot of fun to yeah, see yeah exactly you know agent carter being there stuff like yeah. that well she is apparently hell yeah yes was, yeah but i'm thinking if they have like some little team that they kind of have that maybe it's not the avengers but it's some sort of little like you know team that they send out to, to do stuff i would love to see how that's gonna 
that's going to go. Um, yeah. And period superhero stuff is always very alluring to me because we don't get it that often. The X-Men movies are doing it, and, and I think that's really cool, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't get it really anywhere else. So I'm excited to see how that all that all shakes out. You know, for me, it's tough for me to get excited about the actor and director because I don't know their work at all. Um, but I am excited they have them cast. I'm excited to see what it all turns out to be. You know, and it, it looks, and if, if it's another movie that redoes the origin and, and retreads the same stuff, then I'm going to be just as disappointed a, a, as everybody else is. But if they manage to do something new and fresh and, and it feel vibrant, then I'm going to be so excited because he's still the most popular character the company has. Yeah. You know, he's their Mickey Mouse. He's the, he's the character that everybody knows. And I think if they do it right and they integrate him nicely into the universe, things will work out really well for him. Uh, and and in that, this thing is like, like of course like I I want I I I hate that they had to push back other movies that honestly I'm more excited about than than the Spider Man almost movie. across the board for all yes. of them yeah um maybe Thor two is the only one I'm not more excited yeah. about Thor three sorry Thor three that, that I'm not more See, excited you're so, about you're so less excited exactly. even for what number it was exactly but, right. but uh yeah, Panther Doctor Strange Captain yeah. Marvel all yes. in the pipe they didn't push yeah. back Doctor Strange Doctor Strange was the is the last one before the things got pushed back oh good because because Spider Man's right after Doctor Strange um yeah because it's Doctor Strange in like the fall of 2016 then it's Spider Man summer of 2017 mm-hmm. and that pushed Thor from summer 2017 to fall 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a rumor too, and that rumor, I guess, a rumor that Kenneth, they're asking, they're courting Kenneth Branagh to come back to direct Ragnarok. Awesome. So we'll see what happens with that. So yeah, some interesting uh, movie there, stuff. There Doctor Strange rumors now too. What do you mean? Um, I'm never going to pronounce his name right, so I'll leave it to you. Oh, Chitwell? Yeah. Oh, Chitwell Eljafor. Right. He's that, playing Baron Mundo. I've still seen people claiming he's going to be Jericho Drum Brother Voodoo. Hmm. Well, there is a because is, is it official that he's Mordo? They, yes, they've announced that okay. he's Mordo. But the what I understand about the the story, and I, and I don't know if this is true or not, that they've kind of combined a couple of characters for the role. Oh, so that could, could be, be that. yeah. All right, definitely could be that they could have combined those characters together because there was a villain in the Brother Voodoo story. It was Baron Zemetti. Okay, right? so it might be that they're yeah. oh, okay. I it's so funny. I was talking to Brian Verderosa, host of Talking Movies, um, and because for the longest time, I've always wanted him to be T'Challa. I thought he'd always be perfect to play yeah. T'Challa. And I was like, well, you know, he's too old now. That's why they went with um, Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman is thirty-eight years old. Well, yeah, looks Shitwell is thirty-seven. <laughs> it's the Connery Moore thing. They want to go younger. They yeah. picked a guy who was older than him. Yeah, which I thought was crazy. I was like, oh come on, he does look a lot younger than him yeah. though. Which is crazy. I thought he was twenty seven. That's what I. That's what I figured. Um, I did see someone tweet, but when Tom Holland got cast as Spider Man, they're like, "I'm very disappointed that they didn't cast someone named Chris uh, yeah. as, as Spider Man." Yeah. Like, don't worry, it'll officially be changed by the yeah. by the time the movie comes out. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited to see what happens. Who knows, right? Who uh, until knows? they come out, Marvel's track record will so far speaks for itself. There's yes. yet to be a bomb, yes. as we've discussed some. Yeah. And I'm getting more excited now. We're only like three weeks away, two weeks away from Ant-Man. Man. I'm getting excited about it. Seeing some of the trailers, hearing these these stories about it, I'm getting pumped. It's just enough time away from the Avengers now where I'm kind of getting re-energized to watch one of those yeah. movies. Um, still in the top ten. Didn't yeah. make a lot of money this week. But no, it's still but it's still doing all right. It's still doing all right. How I mean, your, did you have that in your movie derby? I did, but but, doesn't even, but it got split into thirds because uh, the first one made $600 million. And now Jurassic World, which got split into ha- in half, is going to 
maybe be the highest grossing movie of all time yeah. at this point, which is crazy. Crazy, uh, crazy town. Did you have that one? No, I don't have that oh. one. But I, 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 it's tough to get a lot of those big movies because I had spent like nearly, I spent over a third of my money on a third of the Avengers. <laughs> I mean, I still made $150 million out of it, which is great. We're talking about the box office, fantasy box office, people yeah. don't know, run by talking movies. Um, but they're actually, one of, one of, uh, their listeners, and I believe he's a listener of us too, Casey Occolini, took made BrianVerderosa.com and a, like the live update the box office standings. <laughs> so if you no go to way. yeah, so if yeah. you go to BrianVerderosa.com, it has the the live standings for I'm the box office. Right yeah. yeah, I think I just fell a second. I wasn't first for the, the whole time, but I just fell a second because oh. of this Jurassic World business. Um, but sorry, I've got some stuff coming. So down the, I must have spelled his name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe the other one was taken. How do you spell Verderosa? V-E-R-D-E-R-O-S-A. D-E-R. <laughs> I put D-A-R. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, it, yeah, really. There it is. Yeah, there you go. Really, Len- really excited about all Lenny of this. Lenny Reed in the lead. Yes. He has Jurassic World, I believe. Half of Jurassic World. Yeah, you're not far behind him, though. No. I it's 357 to 328. Yeah. Right and there. I, it's not bad. And I've got, uh, I've got Trainwreck still to come, which comes out the same day mm-hmm. as Ant-Man. Which I have all of, and then I have that horror movie, The Gallows, which is the new Blumhouse found footage movie. So, fingers, man, fingers Brian crossed. sucking wind, man. He's down in tenth place. I know, I know, I know. Brian has a lot of his movies haven't opened yet. <laughs> all right, well, Stephanie is almost with us, so let's uh, let's not talk about any more news. Let's let's start our lightning rounds. The time we get to her, ah, play a bit, or we'll just we'll just move on. <laughs> No lightning round for Stephanie. <laughs> no, that's not. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Did she? Did she? She picked her lightning round. She did email this. She week. did email. She, did she email had question marks. Yeah, it had question marks, marks for her lightning round. But she sent us a book of the week, which is. Th- I mean, that's that the is a, a, a steps, baby steps. All right. Oh, <laughs> All right. Let's see. Timer here. Tired. All right. <laughs> Steve, are you ready to go? Yeah, I'm just. Uh, I'm just gathering my books. I know that I'm going to save that for when she's here. Okay. Uh, you're talking about that one. Okay, I'm good. You're good? All right, you have three minutes and go. All right, so Stephanie talked about it last week, but I want to give it a mention because I finally got to read Black Canary number one. This book was so much fun. Uh, Again, Stephanie hit the nail on the head when she said that it was very obvious that Brendan's days of being in a band has helped him to kind of harness the rock and roll vibe of it. And Annie Wu's art is just a perfect match uh, for the attitude and and just kinetic energy of this uh, story of Black Canary being in a band and fighting spiritual demons, I would assume. And uh, I just, I loved every page of it. I thought it was awesome. Uh, Alex and Ada, number 15. This was the final issue, the conclusion to this absolutely beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, I'm very, very happy to say that both Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn managed to stick the landing and they delivered a satisfying and in some ways unpredictable ending uh, for this epic story of a man and his robot companion. Uh, I was glad to see that it wasn't all sadness, but melancholy that uh, was the series' final note. And uh, for those of you that have been telling us to read some Valiant books for the longest time, Bobby uh, dipped his his foot into the pool. I had yet to do so, but now I have. Uh, I read Archer and Armstrong, Volume 1, and Quantum and Woody, Number 1. For those that don't know, Archer and Armstrong is pretty much an immortal drunk meets prayer boy assassin in search of an ancient machine of mass destruction, and it's awesome. 
Uh, Quantum and Woody, Volume 1, is two brothers inherit superpowers while investigating their father's murder. Um, for this book, there was just tons of humor. Uh, the chemistry between the brothers is is really amazing, and the dialogue is like super snappy, and the villains that they're going after are... And um, I enjoyed both Valiant books thoroughly. I'm going to continue to read both. But if I had to edge one out, I would say that Quantum and Woody uh, just did it for me a little bit more than Archer and Armstrong. But I absolutely both uh, love both setups. And uh, actually, t- later today, I'm going to be looking for some more trades when I go to Heroes in London. Um, I believe that's it, unless I want to spill the beans on anybody else's book. All right, Steve, you had 45 seconds left, so good job. Beautiful. Good job on that one. Um, yeah. Any questions, comments? <laughs> sure. So, Black Canary, Bob. I I was going to mention it, but I know that Stephanie did last week, and then I was, I don't, I shouldn't say sad. I was actually happy that you picked it too, Steve, so I would get a chance to chime in once I had read the thing. Mm-hmm. As a huge Black Canary fan from way back when she first reappeared as part of the Justice Society, and certainly through the Birds of Prey era, this for those who are wondering that this is or worried this won't be that black canary it still is she's in a band because she's tracking down stuff she's still doing black canary things as part of this band as a front she joined the band because well she's got you know the canary crying she can really sing and so on and so forth but it's still crime fighting and as you say steve we've got some wacky looking demons running around and a mystery and some really intriguing characters and a lovely setup. And it's just, it's charming and gorgeous. And what more could you want from a book? It's just gosh darn fun to read. Yeah, I really, uh, I really, really enjoyed every page of it. I love the, like, I don't particularly always enjoy infighting uh, in comics. I think uh, AVX kind of wore me out on that. But there's something about band politics that, I love reading it. I loved reading it in Sing No Evil. I loved reading it in Charles Soule's 27. And now Black Canary's out. And there are certain writers that can really just capture and and paint for you what it's like to be backstage at these, you know, kind of grungy, like, New York club shows, like at the Knitting Factory or the Bowery Ballroom. And just them kind of, like, shredding the stage and Canary trying to have like somewhat of a, of a normal life or at least participate in something normal, but having her superhero life constantly intervene and having to make the choice between, you know, either one and keeping secrets from her bandmates and that causes friction. And it's just, I love all of that stuff. And, and Brendan's obviously writing from a place of knowing what it's like to be in that situation. And it really shines through in the book. Yeah, I um I don't think I liked it as much as a bunch of you guys did. I had some issues just with pacing and with uh, some of the the way the plot was was delivered. I I loved the art. I think any was art is gorgeous and mm-hmm. perfect for the perfect for the story and perfect for the setting. Um, I I thought they, I I thought, except for developing the idea of she's touring with this band and every show that they play, things go really really mm-hmm. wrong. I don't feel like it established a lot of other stuff for me. Um, I liked uh, I liked uh, Dinah or D D D T D. I liked her a lot in it. I liked the I liked some of the allusions to backstory that I thought was washed away mm-hmm. at a certain point. Uh, references to her 
being married, married. which I, I didn't think we'd ever hear about yeah. ever again until they like re-rebooted the universe or something, uh, which I thought was great. And I I like there was definitely a hyper realistic vibe to it, almost almost like a Scott Pilgrimish oh totally vibe to to the music stuff, which I enjoyed. It just something about it just it didn't interlock yet for me. It didn't all come together to work perfectly for me yet. Um, mm. I I will keep reading it because like I said, I love the art and I have a lot of faith in in Brendan Fletcher because I really like. The other two books that he writes for, I think that they are both excellent. And this book didn't hit the same high notes as the number ones of those books for me. But mm-hmm. but I, I do really like um, the vibe of it. And, and that's what I'm kind of going off of is, is the vibe of the story and wanting to keep going with that. And, and so nice. I, I hope to – I hope for me, I hope it comes together more. But I'm really glad – I really like the reception it's getting. And, and I, I love, again, this idea that this book can exist – where three years ago this book never would have existed in in the in the DC universe. It, it it's too different in tone, too different in look, too different in style. Right. Um, but it's great that it has a place now, and, and I'm really happy to see those things kind of progressing and going. Whether or not they're for me or not, I, I think that it's perfect that, that mm. they exist. I think that that like that excitement for these types of books now existing in the DC line is is part of what's making some of these books for me. Like stuff that came out, like Doctor Fate, and I'll I'll talk about Martian Manhunter in a bit. That I am feeling like different worlds and different vibes and just tones in in things that I, I don't usually come to expect from DC. Like when you we'll talk about Doctor Fate in a bit. I I have I have thoughts about that, um, but I like the freshness of of a lot of these new books, and uh, Black Canary definitely has that kind of you know brand new dc smell and uh i'm huffing it in (laughs) um we can only hope that the numbers will reflect all this excitement Mm -hmm. not not all of them are going to be winners no of course they can all be good books where they sell or not but we we want to see at least not a huge drop off one to two to see that go 60 70 percent down the drain yeah so let's just hope uh while i have you steve yeah uh alex and ada I'm very happy to hear that you liked it as it ended because there was a bit in the middle mm-hmm. where you, it seemed it was drifting a little for you. And so I, I know you were so looking forward to this coming to a grand finish. I'm, I'm ha- very happy to hear it did that for you. Yeah, no, I don't know if I would say that it was drifting in the middle. I think that at, at one point, instead of mentioning it month after month, I kind of let it go because after we did the awards for last year and I had brought it up as part of like, I guess, um, limited series that we were waiting until it was finished to see if it really panned out to be the story that I, that I wanted it to be. And for something that I was reading that I was like, sure that I knew the end by the first issue, like I like, Oh, I totally know how this is going to end. This is going to be so sad blah, blah, blah. It was all of those things, but there was more to it than that. And it, it takes a sharp left turn after the events of issue number 14 and 15, it's not like, oh, everything is going to be fine. It's everything is going to be really terrible for a long time, but there's there's hope and there's there's still like life to live and, and stuff like that. And um, I like that it surprised me like as, as much as I thought that I had figured it all out, it, it really kind of uh, left me feeling a little differently 
than I expected at the end. And I walked away from it with a smile on my face instead of, you know, a, a hands full of tears. <laughs> so awesome. Good, That's great. Good stuff. Yeah. Like I said, Whispers was was one of the last outings from um, one of the Lunas that, that just didn't didn't work for me uh, as a complete story. And just felt very unfinished. This this definitely feels like an achievement and something that when people ask me, like, oh, what should I read from them? I would definitely wholeheartedly recommend this. That's great. That's awesome. I can't yeah. wait to, um, when the trade when the all the trades are out, I'm definitely gonna check it out. Yeah, I definitely want like some kind of deluxe, you know, super cherry uh hardcover edition of this uh down the road. That would be great. Which I'm sure they'll do. I- yeah, sure. no, they've done it for yeah. all the other yeah. ones. They have like their own version of the absolutes and mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Bob, you ready? Sure. I'm going to get three minutes on the clock here. If I can get this app to come. There we go. And you got three minutes and go. Starting off with Harley Quinn Power Girl number one. And this takes place between panels in the story that's in Harley Quinn 11 to 13. And it probably should have stayed there. Hmm. Uh it, it, the, some of the threads are picked up from uh, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Pauly's Power Girl, and it does have some funny bits. And, and the art by Stefan Rue, who did such a charming job on Zatanna back in the old 52, really is kind of lays an egg here. There's some way, way too many shots of Power Girl's attributes, just leading too many shots. And uh, I'll apologize to Stephanie once she's back in the room. She's here. Okay, well, Stephanie, I did go back through Star Girl, uh, Star Starfire, and <laughs> uh, used the official Carolyn Coke accounting system. And there are more panels than I gave credit for not being up to snuff. So I'm sorry <laughs> about that. Secret Six Number Three, uh, Daily Gushman Art, Gail Simone, of course, on story. After seeing the first page of this, that's Catman atop a light pole, but he's been chased by a dog. <laughs> I had to go reread the first two issues. And this is really starting to get to be a book I really want to read every month. The story and characters really, really coming together. The problem is, let's just hope that this is now not interrupted and or delayed for whatever reason. That the thing that really plagued Gail's Batgirl run, because this is really turning into a bizarre mystery, dark comedy, crazy set of characters, and a really nice surprise on the final page. Uh, Sensation Comics 11, uh, in this one, Diana strives to broker a peace between factions in the African nation of Itari, not Atari, but Itari, and the unspoken wishes of the people who want the UN peacekeepers out of the country have called up the true god of war, Ares. Now, as usual with the Sensation books, the the Wonder Woman ethos has just really, really served very well here, and it's Josh Elder and Jamal Eigel from Molly Danger, so it looks gorgeous on top of everything else. Then there's Ms. Marvel 16, G. Willow Wilson, Adrian Alfana. It's the last days for Jersey City and the rest of the world, too, but who's counting? Because it's only <laughs> Jersey City that counts. Hi, Joey. <laughs> and Kamala's doing what she always does, which is her best. She's trying to protect those she loves, her family and friends, before moving on to the bigger issues. As she says, you know, this is it, the whole world in my one room, people I care about, people I love to protect. They expect me to fix things, but how do I fix things this big? Beautifully written and drawn. And another killer final page. So if we were co- anyone concerned about what the last days of Ms. Marvel would be like, it is really, really good. And moving forward, it is, will be continuing, I do here. So knocking wood for that. So that's it for me. All right. 15 seconds left, Bob. So, yeah, I mean, uh, but I do feel like the Secret Six delays had nothing to do with anything else except for 
they take a really long time to get those issues out. Because issues, <laughs> issues one and two was a really long time. Yeah. And there was no event in between those two no, things. No, two and three there were. We, yeah. we had you yeah. know, convergences going mm-hmm. on. and uh, It's a really fun book. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to suffer because of those delays. I'm sure the numbers reflect that. The story didn't, mm-hmm. except that you thought you were reading another story from where it ended the last time. And it does. It makes complete sense when you read two and three together. But otherwise, it's, that's not how the last one ended. <laughs> but how did, how did that happen? But I mean, there, he's. It's also <laughs> there's a great usage, Steve. I know you're. <laughs> there he is, cat man <laughs> up a tree. Uh, the the Nick Lachey pages. Yes. <laughs> okay. In this one. Purely by accident, I'm assuming. There are two pages, and all the characters are, are huddled in a room in their new suburban hangout, and uh, our, our big shot character, who's, who's running things, whose house it is, turns to all the rest of them who are sitting over on this sofa. Okay, I'm just going to ask, which one of you had weird sex on the couch last night? So we've got the ventriloquist and Ferdy, and he's like going, mm, looking, <laughs> looking weird, and they're all got this really crazy look on their face, and they're kind of looking down at the Nick Lachey ads. <laughs> it is just hysterically funny, and it just happened to work out. <laughs> yeah, I uh, those those ads have been an, an interesting exercise, both in, in patience and wondering how much of these books were, were planned out before that kind of, you know, ad space was allocated to the mm-hmm. books and I kind of, que- I'm questioning some of the panel work um, before those ads come into play because some of them almost look like they were replacement panels for what may have been other stuff, but that's just one of my crazy, kooky theories. So. But I, I would think that ahead of time you'd have to say to people, we're what page can we split? There was reports well, that, that, we'll, that the DC was telling them yeah. a couple months I'll, ago. Like I'll just say it. Like in in Black Canary, one of the things that threw me is right where those um, the Nick Lachey ads pop up. There's like all these like highly detailed panels, and there's shading and close-ups and wild colors. And then all of a sudden, right before the one on the on the right-hand page for the peanut butter Twix ad, it's just floating heads and dialogue behind a white space, ah. and it just doesn't seem to to go with like the rest of the vibes of the paneling and the pages it just looks bizarre to me that i wonder if after the news was passed down that they had a different panel in mind and had to replace it well they they split all the pages in half they just right. they just split a page in half is basically what okay. they do in, the, in, in that point um, i could be wrong i'm just bitter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking for i'm looking for problems yeah <laughs> stephanie are you there is this pizza hot <laughs> welcome i'm hungry Send me a pizza. You're not hungry. You just ate dinner. It's true. That's why you're a couple more minutes late to it's our true. podcast. Also, the goddamn streetcar takes forever. Ugh. Working a real job is hard. <laughs> it's true. You have to leave the house and everything. I know. I miss pajamas so much. <laughs> Are you wearing pajamas oh. now? No. I'm half wearing... I, I am half wearing my work clothes and half wearing not work clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I tried to get out of work early and then the streetcar took forever because apparently Toronto lives in the 50s. But you do have a streetcar. That's lovely. I actually do really love the streetcar. Um, so, you know, I made it. I got some dinner. Um, I stopped to get Japanese food. 
And I told the lady who runs a Japanese food shop um, that this was my last week in my neighborhood. And she legit screamed. (laughs) (laughs) She has told everybody that I bring to this place that I'm her number one customer and like insists on it. I'm like, no, no. She's like, no, you are. (laughs) Like, no, you really are. So I was like, this is my last day in the neighborhood. And she's like, no. Like, like Vader, you know, no. And then she was like, okay, have good life. <laughs> she got over it quickly. It's like, thank you. Mm-hmm. I will have good life. Mm-hmm. You ruined her yeah. bottom line. Yeah. 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 So that, that's that been my evening. Sounds great. Good yep. start. Yeah. 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 Shit happened. All right. I'm not going to throw thing. you on the spot and make you do lightning round just when you come in, Stephanie. So don't worry. But we are in the middle of lightning round right now. Oh, I got this. You sure? It's cool. You right? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, you got it, but you can't. T- I, I'll tell you books you can't talk about because they're ones I'm talking about. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. You can't talk about Old Man Logan, Mad Max, JLA, Doctor Fate, and that's it. All right. Done. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> the only one I was really concerned about was Mad Max. That's the only one I was really concerned I about. I didn't read that because. We, we talked about it a bit on Misfits, and I was a bit discouraged. Oh, okay. Well, I'll talk about it for mine, and then we'll, we'll have a discussion about it. Okay. All right. So are you, yes. so are you ready, then? I am. All right. You got, you got three minutes, Stephanie, and go. All right. So Coffin Hill, number 19. Awesome. Uh, getting close to the end of, I believe, the fourth arc of this series. Third or fourth arc. Um, and it's so, so good. Again, if you aren't reading this, this is one of the best horror comics that you can get out there. It's just amazing um i read this great series and i was really tempted to switch around my book of the week for this series and it's called hex 11 um i found it on comiXology and i read on the streetcar once again this morning um issues one through three and this follows a witch uh and she accidentally stumbles upon um this demon while she's running an errand for her uh, I guess sort of her like master, the 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 most powerful witch in the hex has sent her on a mission to find a scarf, and she's like, "This is BS. I don't want to go find a scarf." And instead, she finds the scarf and a whole buttload of trouble, um, and she winds up unlocking some powers that she doesn't know that she had, um, and un sort of. Unwittingly, unknowingly binds herself to this demon. Um, and yeah, there's this big sinister plan going on. Um, and, you know, now these this group is at the center of it. And um, it was really, really great. It was just something that I bought on a whim on Comixology. Um, <sighs> Kelly Sue Milano and, oh my goodness, I probably should have, Bobby, why did you let me go? I'm not prepared. You told me you you, you were like, I'm ready for this. I got, I got this. It. Okay, Kelly Sue Milano <laughs> and Lisa K. Weber um, are the creators of this series. And the art is amazing. There's this badass character with pink hair. And she's like this psychotic, like, like, <clears throat> sexy minx psycho with knives. Um... It's great. It's so good. I'm really, really looking forward to issue number four. I followed both of them on Twitter, uh, both the creators, and uh, they tweeted that issue number four will be coming out for San Diego. Um, And I'm stoked because 
I've just discovered this. Um, did you guys, did you mention Thor's? Did oh, that's my book of the week. Okay. I won't mention that then. So just shut, shut it. Shut it. <laughs> um, all right. And Bobby mentioned Saga last week. And what else can you really say about Saga? I mean, it's amazing. Uh, issue number 29 uh, is the second last of this chapter. And mm-hmm. it's epic. It's epic. Um, so that that's what I got going on, guys. I can't believe you actually hit the time. I was sure <laughs> that you were going to start talking about another book. And it was going to just float, float on by. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, I'm a professional, Bobby. True, you are. Steph, what was the name of that of that other book you were talking about, the one with the scarf? I'd miss it. Uh, Hex 11. 11. It's not all one word. It's Hex and then Space 11. Um, It's really, really good. I believe it's on Comixology Submit. So it's really, really cheap. Um, I'm, I'm sorry if you can hear me typing. I apologize. I should have brought this up beforehand. Um, but I really enjoyed the art. I thought it was outstanding. A lot of the time, I, I love comicsology submit titles. Like I really do. But one of the, often, the, either the writing or the art is stronger. One or the other is stronger. Mm-hmm. I find because they're really finding their ground um, and kind of learning to work together. It's like your first kind of you know comics work that you're putting out there. Um, there's exceptions, obviously, but. Um, you know, this is a really great way to self-publish. And um, the, they, the team behind this book worked really, really well together. And um, I just was completely floored by how beautiful it was and how great and fun the story was, too. Um, issues, uh, each issue, and there's three, are 99 cents each. So, nice. like, it's really easy to take a chance on. You can get three issues for less than one Marvel mm-hmm. comic. That's true. <laughs> um, so, how, wait, how many issues are there? Seven three total? right now. Oh, only three. Okay. Yeah. A fourth comes out, I believe, according to their Twitter. Uh, oh, at San Diego, San you're Diego. saying. Yeah. I was, I was listening to you. I, I know. Prom- I, I know, promise. Bobby. I promise. You're a good I, person. Yeah. Yeah. Why, why are you being nice to me? I'm a little worried now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking. Oh, okay. <laughs> On the streetcar? Um, well, oh, I mean, boy. I just started when I got back, you know, like I basically ran to the fridge. <laughs> opened up uh, a bottle and started throwing them back. Gotcha. Yeah. Good move. Good yeah. move. Yeah. Had to deal with you, so I mean. <laughs> oh, this now steps back. Very true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's, that's there we go. All right. Here we that's go. Me, Bobby. Just like old times. Do my. I gotta do my lightning round now. All right. After that. That sick burn. All right. Here we go and go. All right. Old Man Logan number two uh, continues to be excellent. This sees uh, Old Man Logan scaling the wall and meeting up with another one of Battleworld's X-Men groups. And and there's a little bit of a clash because he doesn't believe that they're real because he believes that they're all dead. Uh, And and it was a very interesting dynamic between those characters. Uh, Andrea Sorrentino art continues to be beautiful. Writing by Bendis is great. Um, waiting for this to be announced a- as an ongoing title once we're post-Secret Wars. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road Furiosa. And the last one, obviously, is a Morton Joe and Nux. This is Furiosa. Mainly deals with uh, the wives and kind of how Furiosa becomes um, acquainted with them and why she ends up helping them escape like she does at the beginning of the movie um obviously i mentioned before stephanie and i will talk a little bit more deeper about it uh it's it's a rough book at times but uh really gives you an idea of what these wives went through and just how horrible kind of a morton joe 
really is. Uh, JLA number one. Uh, this is a uh, Brian written written and drawn by Brian Hitch. Uh, this is a five ninety nine book from Whoa. from DC. Uh, it's a thick book. Don't get me wrong. There's a there's a lot of pages in this book. Um, is it worth five ninety nine? Probably not. But uh, it was really good. It was interesting. It was a different take. Obviously, um, interesting enough. Both Justice League books are are now kind of behind what's currently happening with the depowered superman the 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 jim gordon batman you know that stuff has kind of changed at this point and and but these things are this and john's just like really aren't dealing with that yet so i think it really does show that you know dc again focusing on story over continuity they said this book is in continuity but it's just not addressing that stuff right now Mm -hmm. it's obviously a little behind uh but it was good it was interesting different story very huge operatic crazy big story um i don't know how it's going to turn out but i'm excited to see where it goes um and dr fate number one this is uh paul levitt's uh on writing duties and um sunny lou uh is is the artist credited as co-storyteller on the book uh very interesting kind of odd uh take on on the character great art though that i really really loved and uh, i love the character of dr fate so i'm interested to see kind of how it all shakes out and what levitz does with 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 khalid uh the main character and, and and how it all goes there seems to be some really interesting kind of egyptian mythology stuff at work here which i'm always a sucker for integrating mythology in, into into these books so i, I want to see you know how it turns out i i don't dr fate is a character that i know in kind of in in a form where he's already the, he's already Doctor Fate and you don't really get much of without the helmet on stuff, mm-hmm. so I don't really know how this measures up to what the origin of the character really is or with the you know obviously a modified version of that. But I, I really enjoyed it. Love it's I think is doing a great job w- w- with this book. <laughs> so let's a new Doctor Fate. Uh, his name is Khalid. Okay, um, that's new to me. Yeah. And I'm assuming I don't know if it's Earth Two or it's Earth or it's or it's the New Fifty Two Earth. I I can't really tell. Uh, it doesn't really point to any measures of that. I mean, there is a Doctor Fate in the Earth Two, and I believe I don't remember if his name is Khalid or not, but it's something in that in that okay. in that vein. Um, but this deals with kind of him first encountering the helmet and and, and meeting his fate as Doctor Fate, and there's a flood happening and. Um, he's kind of being pushed to put this on. He kind of denies it at first, and ends up having to to accept it. And there's a lot of interesting kind of almost um, slice of life stuff happening here as well. And you get to know this character. There's a couple. There's one moment in it where there's this hurricane coming, right? And he's talking to his mother on the phone, and you know she's like, "You got to come home. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be ridiculous. It's gonna be crazy." And and he's like, "Mom, it's you know it's just them blowing out of proportion. Remember Snowpocalypse?" And then she goes, "I don't know even what you're saying. Just you're, come home." Like you know, yeah. and, and it was a very mother thing to do, and and I really, I really liked that about it. There were some very true ringing things to it, so I'm excited to see where it goes. I mean, I love Paul Levitt, so I want to see how it all turns out. Uh, Steve, you said you wanted to talk about it. Ah, uh, yeah, I uh, actually wrote down a few notes from my thoughts. Um, yeah, I just I really really enjoyed it. First first off, uh, I positively loved the art. I thought the art was very cool. It was a little reminiscent of. Uh, like some of the character designs were a little reminiscent of Animal Man, in in a little bit kind of this mm-hmm. well, maybe limited to just the little like dog thing that's running around, kind of causing havoc in the streets uh, throughout the issue. But um, I really just like that it's a story about kind of a reluctant hero or somebody who's who's kind of denying his fate finds that in his everyday travels that he he really is a hero. There's a uh, 
there's a moment where he does something very heroic and it's it's very telling that he kind of deserves uh what's coming to him and uh I don't know it was really bizarre and like talking animals and and again the art is just spectacular I had more thoughts than that but now I'm <laughs> seem to be losing um it's also my first focus down experience with the character so like i've seen dr fade in other books and other iterations but it was interesting to get like a one-on-one story with the character and i really enjoyed it cool awesome awesome there you go yeah absolutely um Mm. stephanie you mentioned that on the misfits you guys had talked about it what it turned you off about reading mad max Oh, I was going to say something about Dr. Fate. I totally read it. Oh, I didn't know you read it. Go ahead. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I thought that the art was great. I haven't, you you guys said you hadn't heard of him either, right? The the artist? Yeah. Um, I've never heard of the artist, no. Yeah, I loved it. I thought that it was comic-y, but not, it was still stylized and it felt new. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And and I, I thought that the whole Egyptian thing, like you mentioned, like the mythology was really, really cool. Um, I, I thought that it was, a great first issue. Um, there was a couple things they hinted at that were on a digital issue. Oh, it was, it was the, the convergence. The convergence, thing. like preview. It's just like they have a Black Canary and Starfire at like an eight page preview, one of the back. Okay. Uh, back, but it's available free on Comixology. All of those are. So oh, okay. So to read them, yeah. Um, well, like I didn't read that. And so there was like a couple things, like I felt like it picked up where that left off. And I was kind of like, Oh, well, I don't have time to go back and just find that right now. Mm-hmm. So I'll just read it. And so, the, like, I felt initially like I was missing a piece of the puzzle, but um, it was fast paced and went right to the point. Um, and I kind of just completely forgot that, you know, I, I was missing something. And it kind of came together for me. And I thought it was an excellent, an excellent issue. I really, really thought it was one of the better new number ones uh right up there with constantine for me awesome awesome mm. constantine um, was so good it was it really was i i was expecting good things from that team but i wasn't expecting it to be that good i i know that sounds kind of i, I don't know what i was expecting to be honest but mm. i thought they did an amazing job with him yeah absolutely absolutely um and but what about the uh mad max stuff stephanie um well like I know you didn't read it, so I'm just wondering why yeah, yeah, yeah. you didn't end up reading it. Yeah, so I loved the movie. Um, I, I don't know anyone who hasn't loved the movie. Uh, and, you know, it's been praised as a feminist movie. And, you know, it's like, let's show these women being sex slaves without having to show them being sex slaves. You know, we get it. We believe you. Mm-hmm. What's that? You said you're sex slaves? Cool, we get it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I really appreciate that aspect of it, that... You don't need to show these awful things like rape and abuse um, and just, you know, whatever. I appreciated that about the movie. And then um, Mara and Melissa were talking about it on the show and mentioned um, that it kind of backtracked a bit from that. Like it wound up explaining a bit of all of those things that I think made uh, the movie really special in that sense, like for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I I have the issue on my um, iPad. I downloaded it um, on Comixology last week. But I, after hearing um, that, I didn't know if I felt I wanted to um, alter how I felt about the movie, mm-hmm. which, again, had really um, 
positive messages in my opinion right no i agree with that yeah. I, I think i, I it, do, it definitely does um you know because all of these uh mad max comics are prequels to, to the movie so you're seeing uh what happened kind of what le- what leads up to to what happens in the movie and this addresses kind of what i said before what drives furiosa to help these um these women kind of escape mm-hmm. and and leave uh, the the subjugation that they're in from Morton Joe. And yeah, there definitely is. They don't explicitly show any, anything, but there is off panel stuff that's happening. And there's stuff strongly alluded to what's going on, the horrible things that are happening to these women. Um, and it definitely is not something that I think if you don't want to even like be exposed to that at all in, in this kind of story, then I would say to avoid it. Cause it definitely does tackle those those things that that happened to them um and oh it it does definitely kind of fill out but what i will say is that um even though it's showing them it's showing how they were victimized they're still very interesting uh strong characters in the story i mean in the end furiosa is the one who kind of pushes it over the edge sheet they need her in order to execute what they want to do but it's really them who come up with the idea of, of escaping you know, it's just they don't know where to escape to. They don't know where they've never been anywhere except for this, this room that that they that they've been kind of raised in. So, mm-hmm. um, Firos is the one who has to kind of take that step for them because she's the one who has the means to get them out. But yeah, it, it was strongly implied in the movie that um, Rosie Huntington Whitley's character, yeah, who I totally don't know the name of. Um, it was all her plan, right? Like mm-hmm. throughout the movie, and I'm not. Uh, this isn't really a spoiler, guys. You know, um, they're saying these were her words. Mm-hmm. These are her words. You know, she was the one that kind of put this seed in everyone's mind that they didn't need to be um, anyone's property. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were allowed to be people, and to be the people that they wanted to be, they had to escape. Yeah, absolutely. And that stuff is all very heavily addressed in the issue. But it does go into the darker aspects of, of what they had to go through. So if that's something you don't want to check out, I, that's totally understandable. Um, and people should know what they're getting into if they're going to read it. But I thought it was interesting because in, in the Furiosa comic, she is much like Mad Max is in the movie. You know, she is there and she does things, but she is. it's much more about the, 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 the five wives than it is about furiosa um which i thought was an interesting take on it it's it, it was a it was not what i was expecting i was expecting like you know early adventure of furiosa is kind of what i was expecting for the book and that's not what you get but i ended up being okay with it i ended up really enjoying it uh yeah so that, that's it for my uh my extended lightning round uh let's uh we we have well, let's address another one of our news stories we have we have we broke this weekend at heroes con that uh kelly sue DeConnick. Mm-hmm is leaving Captain Marvel. Um, and, I mean, it took me by a lot of surprise. I, I didn't... Obviously, things have been quiet about what was the, the, the post... the post-Secret Wars future of, of the book. But me, but her doing the Secret War stuff had kind of given me the thought that she would be keep doing mm-hmm. it. So when she announced it, um, I, I, was, I was surprised. I mean, her reasoning is very sound. When they announced the movie, she kind of said... If I, if I if I keep writing it now, I have to write it for three more years. So yeah. I can't I can't leave the book. We're in the middle of when it's going to become a movie. So she got out before that that would happen. Um, 
and we got a, We already have a new team uh, announced. Not not too long after. Bobby, I know oh, you have, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah a, new, a new team got announced yep. today. Bob, I know you have the new story in front sure. of you. It, they are Tara Butters and Michelle Fazekas, who are the showrunners for Agent Carter. Mm-hmm. And, oh, wow. And the artist is Chris Anka. Which I'm ex- I'm so excited about Chris Anka do- doing the art for it. I love his art. I love the stuff that he does. And, and so I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Agent Carter was great beginning to end. I'm a little concerned with showrunners who might go do Hollywood things. Will <laughs> they stay for an arc and mm. disappear? And so that's always a concern. It's going to take place in space. She is now going to be... Uh, sword is gone mm. so the world needs to be protected it's eight months after secret wars all the mm. books jump forward against extraterrestrial threats of one kind and that's what carol's job is apparently mm. she is now more military than ever and it's about as they say setting into place the spaceport and this new job she'll have a slight redesign in the costume mm-hmm very slight, though. It looks, still yeah. looks pretty much the same. Yeah, it's just a little bit of change in gloves and boots or whatever. Yeah, that's always interesting. Yeah. It's very very him, because he's the one that did all those redesigns of all those characters. Yes. So it, it definitely has a very a him feel to it. Now, I their exact quote is, Carol was really meant to be a soldier and a commander and also a diplomat, at her Sana Aminat told Fast Company, whoever they are. <laughs> We're really trying to build up the space complex in the space world. You really feel like there's an extension of the Avengers world into space, but not necessarily lost out in the Guardians of the Galaxy's cosmos. It's rooted in Earth, but also an extension into the galaxy. Mm. I, I was hoping for a return to Earth. Mm-hmm. We did space for a while, and I don't know where we're going with the old supporting cast. People tend to jettison those sorts mm-hmm. of things. We may revisit here and there. But for me, that was a major, major portion of what made the book work as well as it did, even in the issues over the last run, where so much of it was out there, there was still, when we we returned, those are very resonant issues, Mm -hmm. because now you miss those people and you were back. Right. I mean, that seems to me they're saying it's not going to be deep space stuff, though. It's not going to be like that, that, the last Mm -hmm. section, it's going to be more like within the closer galaxy than than going really far away like that um i mean steve uh are you are you nervous that uh kelly sue is leaving and how do you feel about the new team uh i'm not nervous about her leaving um i'm not nervous about it at all i really think that um kelly sue has built an incredible uh, uh foundation and base for this character and i mean Carol's been showing up in other books for the better part of, you know, the last, I guess, year and a half or so. She's been in the Avengers. She's popped up in other stuff. And and for the most part... We're having a little trouble with Steve. Stephanie, are you still there? It's not just me for once. <laughs> <laughs> I think Steve's internet is, is having a little bit of a, a little bit of an issue. Um, well, well, he comes back. We'll we'll get him talking about Captain Marvel. But Stephanie, what did uh, what do you think about the news? Um, I you know it was a little shocking at first, uh, but Kelly Sue DeConnick is the furthest thing from a one trick pony, and um, Captain Marvel, you know, isn't her crutch. She doesn't need Captain Marvel to be the amazing writer she is and um i'm looking forward to seeing what other things come of this with her you know um stepping away and focusing on new things um 
more pretty deadly, I assume. Um, you know, she's got probably a billion ideas that she wants to put forth. And um, without the deadlines of Captain Marvel, she'll be able to do those. How do you feel about the future of Captain Marvel, though? Um, I mean, I'm a little bit behind on the series right now. Um, I I agree that the whole space thing is probably going to get a little old. But the team, I mean, obviously I'm going to read it, a first issue at least, and see how that comes comes out. Um, we've discussed time and time again following um, creators versus characters. Uh, but Chris Anka is a creator to follow and supposing he doesn't leave this book like house of m um <laughs> yeah i i definitely want to give it a shot mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm excited to see where it goes you know i, I think that it's always sad when a, a creator who has meant so much to a book leaves and especially someone like kelly sue who you know let's let's be let's be honest about it like the character existed before her obviously had many great stories before her but this character feels uniquely hers at at this point, right? She has she has taken ownership of the character like few other creators take ownership of a character that they didn't create, and so it definitely is. Um, it, it's somewhat worrying for me for the future of the book how much I'm going to be invested in reading it because there are times right that I would even that I would I would keep I'm reading. Back. Okay, hey, I would keep reading Captain Marvel. Um, even when there were a couple issues I didn't, I didn't, I was in love with because of how much I believe in her as a writer, and I and I don't know how much of that leash I give to these other creators. Now, they couldn't end up being great; they could end up being fantastic creators. Uh, and I think that uh, I I don't know, you know, how, how what what they want to do in comics. I don't know how long they want to stay in comics, but. You know, obviously they they know what they're doing when it comes to female characters. They know what they're doing when it comes to writing, um, you know, adventure stories. And, and I think that uh, that's a good thing for for, for 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 the book. But you know, who knows what what we get for the future? Um, I, I'm surprised that it wasn't someone of a bigger name. I, I guess is is what my biggest my bigger surprise was. Not that that means, like I said before, this could end up being a fantastic run. Just on the service as an announcement, I think it was really funny. I was telling Bob this off the air. Uh, one of the other big pieces of news right this today is that Noel Stevenson is leaving Lumberjanes, and oh yeah, uh, um, breaking news for Steve and, and the <laughs> the uh, she's leaving Lumberjanes, and this ha- this announcement happened, and immediately I texted Stephanie. I go, Noel's off Lumberjanes. I guarantee you, she's writing Captain Marvel. And then not two minutes later, they announced this team. I was like, well, I was proven wrong very quickly <laughs> about, about my prediction. I actually called Marvel, and yes. I was like, please prove Bobby wrong. Yeah, and they like, okay, we, we, you're, you're, you're in luck. We have a press release waiting to go out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, going back to uh, the writer for uh, Captain Marvel, what was the name again? We, it's a team. It's a team, and it is, now I can't even see it, Tara Butters and Michelle Fizikas. I bet you that they are friends of Kelly Sue. I bet you that Kelly Sue specifically recommended them. And I bet you that she vouched for them. They pitched for the book and Marvel loved it. Mm. So I'm going to guess that this book is going to be in safe hands because I don't think Kelly Sue would step away from something that she's built up this much um, to let it be burnt to the ground. Bob. It, it is 
possible she knows the two young ladies in question, but let me say that a little redheaded birdie told me that her fantasy pick would have been Greg Rucka. Oh, really? <laughs> so, I mean, it still could be what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Stephanie is absolutely right, because I don't know. I've, except for knowing the show, I don't know them mm-hmm. at all. Uh, I, I think, as Bobby did, I really expected someone in comics high profile. They're very high profile TV Oh, yeah, absolutely, people. absolutely. But for, that, uh, you know, Kelly Thompson was co-writing uh, Carol Core, which mm-hmm. seemed logical. But again, I, I would have eliminated her just for that not high profile enough. Mm-hmm. Columnist, yes. Writer, yeah. yes. Not comic writer. Uh, but people like G. Willow Wilson and Marguerite Bennett have lots of books mm-hmm. going at once. Uh, my mind first went to Gail Simone. Mm-hmm. And she said on her own website that I don't know that I'd want to follow Kelly Sue, mm-hmm. and they didn't even ask me. <laughs> you know, nutty, bring back Chris Claremont, who, <laughs> who did it to start with, who's sort of at liberty. Uh, but again, we need to see where it's going to go. It's hard to say ahead of time. And one thing I will say, Steph, I just what you're saying about we sidebar, and I'll sidebar some more before we get back to Steve. You know, moving forward, anything Kelly Sue does creator-owned is going to be, I'm sure, very fulfilling for her to write and very worthwhile for us to read. But I'm kind of left feeling the way I did when John Byrne left Fantastic Four back in, in 86, mm-hmm. after issue 293, where I think I had just, I've just read something so special that I can't imagine anyone else writing this character at this level mm-hmm. or a character better suited for a writer to apply their talents through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Makes makes perfect sense. Makes perfect, perfect sense. Um Steve, you were saying when you got rudely cut off by the internet. Yeah, uh, what was I? What was I saying? You're talking about <laughs> if, uh, you, what you thought about the future of Captain Marvel with with these writers and this team. Um, I think it's in good hands. I think that um, you know, the, I, I was saying that I I loved Agent Carter uh, of the two Marvel shows that we have available to us at this point, excluding uh, the Netflix Daredevil stuff. I really think that it's the better uh, between Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Peggy Carter, Agent Carter. Uh, They seem to get the sensibilities of female characters and and manage to make them super badass at the same time, which I think is key for writing that character. I think the foundation that Kelly Sue has built for the character has been well-respected by anyone that's uh, written that character in other series throughout the last like year and a half to two years. And um, I just think that she's done such a wonderful job of creating it that whoever steps up to the plate, like Stephanie said, is somebody that Kelly Sue would have to have confidence in and probably had some uh, input on some level as to, as to who was going to step into you know, writing uh, for Carol and stuff like that. Mm. And um, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see. I, I haven't finished up to uh, issue number 15 yet. I've been kind of avoiding it a little bit because I know that it's a really kind of an emotional roller coaster. And I just haven't been in the place for that uh, as of late. But um, looking forward to it. And I mean, this is the obvious thing, right? These These characters get made... And they go on to other creators over time. And it just happens to be that, you know, Kelly Sue has a lot of stuff going on with television and having a family and Bitch Planet and uh, Pretty Deadly coming back. That it's I think it's a smart move for her to kind of hand over the reins and and step away for a little bit. And uh, I'll be very curious to see how the character gets handled from here on out. Mm, yeah, uh, I mean, now we have a few, uh, we know a few of the books that will be going on post 
uh, Secret Wars. They also announced, obviously, that Spider-Gwen is coming back. Uh, we'll start again at Spider-Man number one. We'll st- stay in on Earth 65 or whatever I think it is. <laughs> it has a number? I didn't yeah, it has that. a number. Yeah. Uh, the alternate universe take on the character, same team, and we'll pick up where it left off. So that book is coming back. I don't think that's really a surprise to anybody. The... the uh, you know the the popular of that character has been huge, and I mean it's, the fact that it's the she was the poster character for Heroes Con th- this weekend. So I, I think that that was that was there was no doubt she was coming back, uh, and with that team, uh, obviously we we talked about a special edition Invincible Iron Man with Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez is coming back. We also know that Brian Michael Bendis is now going to be writing Spider Man, um, starring Miles Morales with art by Sarah Pacelli. Yes. Uh, uh, so Miles Morales is going to be in six one six, and he's going to be in the book called Spider Man. We don't know the future of Peter in this in the Marvel universe yet, but it seems like we know that there are two Spider Men, so we'll see, we'll see what that will, will come of that. Um, we know Captain Marvel ob- obviously will be back. That is coming back, um, and uh, the other book I got announced was uh, Doctor Strange, written by Jason Aaron with Ooh. art by Chris uh, Bacciolo. Bacciolo, I never know how to say it right. I never know how to yes. say it right. Uh, and so we, we, we talked about last week kind of the books we wanted to see and Dr. Strange was one of the ones that I had said. And, uh, I think we're going to see a, a slew of announcements regarding especially books that feature characters that will soon be in major motion pictures. <laughs> uh, and, but this is the first and, uh, Bob, I know you're a huge Doctor Strange fan, so what, what do you think? Jason Aaron has done such a great job with Thor and the otherworldly realms and, and keeping superhero, superheroics and the mystical in a, in a lovely balance, great sense of humor, but also great sense of consequence and dread within the books. When bad stuff happens, it's really bad. And in the Doctor Strange universe, there are some really big players, Dormammu and, and such, that he's really going to knock this out of the park, I think. I was not really very familiar with his work till mm-hmm. picking up on Thor, and I'm a fan. I can't wait to see what this is going to look like on the page in other worlds i you've shown me some of what uh, mr b does yeah. i'll just leave it at that <laughs> i'm looking forward to some very very ditko-esque sort mm-hmm. of frank brunner floating rocks and weird things and mm-hmm. bands of sidorak and so on and so forth it's gonna be great yeah absolutely absolutely steve yes what do you think about <laughs> the book <laughs> just yes i don't just even yes. need to think about it man i am super 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 pumped uh, for this, Jason Aaron is one of my favorite writers, probably overall, especially uh, coming out of Marvel and stuff he's doing on Southern Bastards, um, Weird World, and now he's doing Doctor Strange. Uh, I really dig uh, Chris Bocciolo's art. Every now and again, his stuff will get a little bit busy and maybe hard to decipher. But if I recall the some of the Sarah Pacelli art in um, the Doctor Strange, I guess is a season one. That that was, that was Amarillos. No, oh, Amarillos. Okay, um, even the artwork in that was a little busy, but that book still wound up being, you know, positively gorgeous in in all, all rights. And um, Bachelor's got like this crazy, crazy um, action sense, and and he does really cool things with shadows and creatures and. I mean, the potential for that book is through the roof. Uh, I couldn't be I couldn't be happier about the creative team, and uh, can't wait to see what it ends up being. It's uh, been a long time since there's been a, a proper Doctor Strange book. I think it's a good fit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Stephanie, what about you? Any opinions on this one? 
I think I texted you as soon as I got the press release and you I was did. like, you know, <laughs> all your dreams are coming true. <laughs> we just talked about this. That's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have um, as strong feelings as you, Bobby, but I, I think I'm pretty excited to check this out. Um, I I think it's good timing. Obviously, Marvel does too because they were like, <laughs> a movie. And um, the director of Doctor Strange tweeted like two days ago. It's like, off to London to film Doctor Strange. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, huh, how about that? <laughs> Marvel. Um, Scott Derrickson, is that his name? That is the director of Doctor Strange, yes. Check it out on no shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be good. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm super excited. I love Chris Bocciolo. Uh, I think his art is awesome, and I think it's perfect for, for this kind of otherworldly stuff. Jason Aaron, like you said, Bob has proven himself uh, fantastically over the last couple of years, and it's perfect timing, like you said, Stephanie, uh, uh, for for the book to be here. It, it's it's exactly what I wanted. I wanted a big creator, a, a great creative team on the book. I wanted it to be, you know, a big part of what they were what they were selling, and it, that's obviously the case. So I, I can't wait to see what it comes of it. And I, I, it's, I mean, obviously now we're just. I think we're going to get a lot of these announcements about characters that are on that those two images we saw. So I think you can probably guess a lot of what's going to come in the next couple of weeks, next couple of months. Um, but. This has got me very jazzed for, for what, what the future is, if, if this is kind of any evidence of what the teams and direction are going to be like. And there's so many creators where we don't know what they're doing yet. We don't know what books are coming back. We don't know what books are not. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where this huge cadre of creators are going. You know, I, I have to firmly believe that Noel Stevenson is writing something is going to yes. be writing something for Marvel after, after Secret Wars. Whether it's continuing the runaways or not, it will be something. You know, we don't know what Marguerite Bennett's going to be doing. We don't know what G. Will Wilson's going to be doing. I mean, we know she's going to be doing Ms. Marvel, but we, we don't know for sure. We don't know what Jeff Lemire's doing. We don't know what Rick Remender's doing. We don't know what, like, you know, any of these huge mm-hmm. creators are doing. And I'm excited to see where all of that goes. So. They'll all be on Avengers book. All be on Avengers. Everything <laughs> Avengers. Spider Avengers. <laughs> X Avengers. Gwen Avengers. Gwen Avengers. Gwen Avengers. It'll be good. It'll be everything. <laughs> It'll be great. Uh, the other news, right? I mean, Stephanie, how do you feel about Noel Stevenson leaving Lumberjanes? Um, you know, I always think it's good to shake up teams. It's sad, but I mean, I think when they feel like it's time to move on, it's better for the book overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she did a lot with this. Nimona just got released. Um, she has Runaways, which <clears throat> I'll be bringing it up again shortly um and lots of other stuff i mean you know like it sucks that these books are no longer going to be in the voice of um the creators we love but that's not to say that um you know what comes next won't be something we love equally as much it's very true stephanie truer words yep 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 so quotable (laughs) Infinitely quotable. Yep. Infinitely quotable. Yep. All um, right. All right. Steve, are you, are you ready to talk about Martian Manhunter? I guess it's the one book that I didn't write notes for, and it's my book of the week. So I will. I never write notes. It. I know, but I was trying to plan out for today, but now <laughs> I just have to do it off the cuff. Wait, sorry. I do write notes all the time. I'm a professional. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
hoping that passion will shine true and I'll do this book some justice. So, um, all right, I guess I'll get started. My uh, favorite book of the week that I read is Martian Manhunter number one from DC Comics. I'm trying to find the creative team for you, but they hide these things Rob Williams the first and Ed- couple pages. It's Rob Williams and uh, Eddie Barrows. It's not Nick go. Lachey? No, not like Nick Lachey. <laughs> it should no, be. it's not Nick Lachey. <laughs> um, so I got a pretty good dose of Martian Manhunter a few weeks back when I read uh, uh, Darwin Cook's New Frontier and really got to see just this amazing, amazing story of a Martian coming to Earth with the intentions of, of doing no good, but falling in love with its people and doing his best to kind of blend in and educate himself and learn how to be a part of them. And then kind of coming into his own and revealing himself to the rest of the world and choosing, excuse me, to become a superhero rather than a villain, even though he's perfectly capable of doing both. And so Martian Manhunter number one like starts off in this kind of back alley area with this really interesting, creepy, almost like alien boogeyman character named Mr. Biscuits, um, kind of sitting in this back alley, uh, asking for treats from the local kids. And I don't know exactly what he's doing there, but his, the image of him and his posture and his gesturing is so imposing that I just can't help but want to know more and um, it's cool that once again we get this story of John basically just trying to be a alien hero in a human world. And we get some really cool transformation sequences. Uh, you get inside of his head a little bit and him trying to, to cope with uh, the world that he's now chosen to protect. Uh, there's a couple of other cool characters that make cameos, a few I've never seen before. Uh, and there seems to be this other kind of Martian menace uh, that's going around doing somewhat of a mind control and a kind of uh, they live style. And uh, I mean, the the best way I could describe this book is intriguing. Like, I didn't I didn't see this being the story for the Martian Manhunter character, and thought that it was really creepy and really bizarre, and uh, just. Really can't wait to see what happens with it. I think it's one of the strongest number ones from uh, the new DC books so far. And uh, again, like I'm looking at the the final page, the there's so much mystery uh, shrouded around the Mister Biscuits character, and uh, I really, really want to know more about that guy. And uh, I read a lot of great books this week, but this was one of the ones that just really surprised me. And in my growing love for Martian Manhunter, I was pleasantly surprised to see that it was. Uh, you know, a solid number one issue, and I'll definitely be uh, adding it to my pile. Yeah, I, I will say one thing. Finally, he has his, a book. He's featured in a book because it's been a lot of years where he hasn't really been a featured character, and right. he, he's, he's a fantastic character, so it's great. Uh, it is nice and weird. It, it had, I, I, I it's, it's been. I, I think that one of the things that's obvious is blatantly clear to me with all of the DC books, a big chunk of them, is that the whole story over continuity thing is was not just lip service because there's a bunch of crazy stuff happening in this book like world shaking stuff that's happening mm-hmm. in this book and it's not being referenced in in other books at all at this point you know and i i like that about it i like that they're this free to tell this story about the character and free to use other characters if they want and it doesn't have to fit into all of the moving parts of the rest of the universe 
I'm yeah. sure that whatever happens to Martian Manhunter here, if Martian Manhunter appears in another book, whatever ramifications come from this story, they will have affected him. But it doesn't have to be something where um, I think Brian Hitch was talking about this in an interview when he talked about JLA. He goes, he goes, you know, continuity. There's it's in continuity, but that doesn't mean like if Superman tears his cape in in Jeff Johns' book that he has to have the yeah. same tear in his cape when he he's in my book. And I, I like that idea that you know. As long as all the events at some point kind of are part of the same flow, who cares like how they're laying together in in the in a current timeline? What makes it fun instead of homework? Exactly, you have yes. to sort it all out so I can read it all. No, I want to just oh look, Spider Man swinging past. There's mm-hmm. Batman in the corner. That's enough. Right. That's all I need to know. Yeah. So and, and I thought it was really cool, Steve. I think the art was great. Um, yeah. And my theory about Mister Biscuits is that it's 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 John. It's yeah. it's John. Mm. That's my theory about it. First thing I thought. Something happens to him and he ends up in this kind of deformed state. That's just a theory. No idea. That's not a spoiler for the book because they don't reveal it at all in the book. But that's my theory. for. for He's got this like cool elephant man thing going for him. Yeah. At first he's kind of terrifying. It really is. Yeah. I I really like it. That first page where you you see him sitting there and he's all long and gangly. Like it looks like something – if it is – if it does turn out to be John, like it looks like something – happened to him that maybe he was trying to come out of a form that he was in and got stuck halfway through transforming back that's why he's all elongated and stuff Mm -hmm. but just like the bag over his head with the cane Mm. and the you know like the the dapper man kind of suit that he's wearing yeah just it's so i don't know there's like there's a presence about it and there's an atmosphere about it that i mean it goes on for a good six pages and really kind of leaves you in that room with him. And it's really unnerving. Yeah, it absolutely is. You know, and we got this awesome, I mean, I don't want to give too much of it away, but like I've seen him transform into some stuff, but nothing this grandiose and kind of awesome and right out of like a heavy metal album cover (laughs) kind of thing. And um, there's like a, there's a secondary female character that I've never I've never seen before that interests me. She witnesses something pretty horrible. I mean, there's just there's a lot going on for it uh, for me that I'm I'm totally interested uh, in this book. This will be one of the at the top of my piles next month when uh, the second issue is released. Yeah, I was surprised how much I liked it. Absolutely, indeed, absolutely. Stephanie, <laughs> did you read this one? Nope. Okay. Well, I skipped over you, Doctor Fate, almost. So I, don't <laughs> I know, know it's true. It's true. And then it's like. Uh, no, Bobby, I didn't. Why would you ask me that? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. Bob. Okay, okay. You went to the archives. I went way back into the archives. Even though I had some stuff I read this mm. week, there'll be some coming weeks that are from back <laughs> in the archives. I was way back going through some stuff, and I came upon a an original graphic novel from 1989 that is called Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom Triumph and Torment. It's Roger Stern, Michael Mignola, and Mark Badger on inks. Oh, Michael Mignola? Michael Mignola. <laughs> He's Michael at this point. This is four years before Hellboy would even begin. <laughs> so it just I saw it in, in the pile. It's a big hardcover graphic novel that cost all of $17.95 all those years ago. It would probably be $30 today. And with Doctors Doom and Strange linked in, in Secret Wars, mm-hmm. it seemed I should go back and read this. I remembered some of it. And I, why not? So what we have here, it's a once-in-a-century gathering of mystics has been called by the aged Genghis, who actually first appeared back in Strange Tales 136. <laughs> There's lots of references to all this stuff because Roger Stern is nutty like I am. <laughs> there always was. 
And what well, they need to sort of recertify who is the holder of the title of Sorcerer Supreme. So you have all these from every country and every imaginable corner of the world all show up in this temple in the middle of nowhere. And a very late comer to the party is Dr. Doom. And the Vishanti appear. We hear Dr. Strange always call upon them and hear the three faces of the Vishanti. And mm-hmm. it's really pretty, pretty darn spooky. Cause again, it's, it's, Michael Mignola. So it it's like a Hellboy <laughs> book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is really just pretty outstanding. Yeah. There's our little little grouping. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Strange, to no surprise, holds on to his title. Mm-hmm. He has to grant a boon to the only other person who survives this contest. That person's Doctor Doom. Uh, he's met the Genghis before on his way to the Tibetan monks who would craft his first armor and we get that great flashback to it's it's ff annual number two where we see his origin as well as to something that john byrne had added in issue 278 where dr doom gets blown up and has a little scar on his face that makes him so hideous to himself that he runs away and i have the the burn issue here he has a little scar on his face (laughs) the reason he's a hideous mess is that he puts the mask on red hot mm. and destroys his own puss <laughs> with, with, with the mask. He does it to himself because it, it doesn't matter. One scar or his entire face, same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, that's how he feels about stuff. So here, what his boon is, he wants Doctor Strange's help to get his mother's soul back from Mephisto. His, his mother, who was a, a gypsy mystic, had asked for help to to save the children of Latveria from the evil baron who ran the joint, and it turns out that the power starts to go awry, and she's stuck in Hades. We get a retelling of Doom's origin. We get a a lovely bit of Doctor Strange from all the way back, and they head off to do battle. It is... The story is certainly otherworldly, but the two leads are played so well. It's all very grounded in their own humanity, Doctor Strange, of course, told very, very lovely, lovely way here where he, he he understands the consequence of where his life went wrong, what he now has to do to change things. And that includes helping Doom. He may see something because Doom is written here. He's evil and ruthless, but he's also regal and noble and loving at once. This is just old-fashioned, brilliant comic storytelling. Stern's story is great. Mignola's art manages to channel all at once Jack Kirby, Steve Gicko, and John Buscema. There's a full-page shot of Mephisto lording it over the two of them that is should have been a poster. I'm sure this is somewhere on Marvel Unlimited, with, and if it's not, it will be, because Doctor Strange is now going to be a big thing. And if you see this somewhere, it's probably in the cheapy bins at this point. After all these years, it's probably a $5 book you can pick up. It's probably a soft cover, too. Find find the hardcover. It's just just really really spectacular. If you love Hellboy, if you want to see what Doctor Strange is sort of about and haven't done much, this is a really great little introduction because his origin is there. And while I was in the sort of graphic novel box mm-hmm. from 1987, we hear an original concept: Emperor Doom. <laughs> Th- you know, 28 years ago, uh, Doctor Doom decides he can basically kidnap the purple man, stick him inside a giant gem, and control everybody on Earth by broadcasting his power everywhere. 
that kind of works, except there are a couple of characters that won't because they, they can't. It, it's pheromones with the Purple Man in, in a way. Mm-hmm. So unless they're taking in food or they have skin or whatever, there are characters that can't be affected. Well, Doom gets the Submariner to help him because he takes him over too and sends him out after the Vision. And Ultron, and, and Submariner takes out Ultron by himself. Hmm. Before he takes, he just whips the living tar out of him, which is just a lot of fun to see. People remember what a great character he was. I had an argument with someone the other day about Aquaman. It's like, come on. <laughs> Aquaman's a good character and all, but there's just not. They're not in the <laughs> same ballpark. The the guy who changes everything is Wonder Man, Simon Williams, who Tony's experimenting on. He wakes up a month later and the whole world has been changed. And it's through him that we start to get to these other characters. And Doom is running the Earth just the way he's running Battleworld, in essence. It's I'm a benevolent dictator. You like me, right? I provide food for your kids and there's no war, kind of. And it's just me. I'm a good guy. And then he gets bored. He's happy when the Avengers finally show up. <laughs> it's no fun running things if I can't beat up on superheroes. So if you see that one, too, that one that one only cost me five ninety five all those years ago. All see, right. There was inflation. But the one to pick up definitely is Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom Triumph and Torment. It's not on Marvel Unlimited. Uh-oh. Was it originally published as like a graphic novel like this? Yes. Okay, it's probably hardcover, one time only. I don't know if they have like those like kind of original graphic novel stuff on there. All right, yeah. check your local conventions. Check the back issue bins at your local store. I'm sure it's in there cheap. Uh, comicsology possibly as well. Yeah, there you go. Um, and speaking of comicsology, really quick, if people don't know this. Um, Dark Horse is finally on comicsology. Yay! Yeah, they don't have their horrible. <laughs> they use their horrible app anymore, so they're there if people want want to read that. Uh, all right, Stephanie. Are you, re- are you ready to talk about The Runaways? I think I am. <laughs> I think. Was that, was that a go? Yeah, that's a, that's go. a go. Come on, Three, minute, three minutes on the read, clock. Read the, read the segues, okay? Read the segues, all right? Fine. Fine, Bobby. God, you don't have to be mean. <laughs> all right, so Runaways number one. Uh, obviously, over the last three and something years, 190 podcasts, give or take, uh, for me. Um, I have talked about Runaways pretty much endlessly. I think that it is such a phenomenal comic. Um, It was one that really, really brought me back into comics wholeheartedly. And um, just, you know, I I, I can't say enough good things about the original series. Um, More specifically, Brian K. Vaughn's run on it. Um, you know, he did a book called, he's doing a book called Saga. Um, I guess you guys might have heard of it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a thing. Um, you might be able to find it at your comic shop if you're lucky. Um, but yeah, so Runaways, once again, um, it is something that I hold, uh, on a pedestal. It is just fantastic. And I've been collecting the complete editions as they've been coming out, which once again, Marvel (laughs) <laughs> if you have to release volumes of it, it is not a complete collection. Um, not until anyway. it's complete. What? Not until it's complete. You can't call it a complete collection if you're like, it's like, oh, so this is the first volume of a complete collection? That's not a complete collection then, is it? No. Anyways. They have the best of intentions, I'm sure. I don't think they do. <laughs> um, at least not for retailers who have to explain that to their customers <laughs> and people who want to buy. Anyways, point being... Noelle Stevenson is writing the revived Runaways that is um, here as a part of Secret Wars uh, with art by Sanford Green. 
and covers also by Sanford Green. So um, first of all, I just want to say that it's really hard to hold a candle to someone like Brian K. Vaughn. You can't really compare apples to oranges. Their writing styles are completely different and just, um, you know, they're different. They're different people. They have different styles. Um, and these are very different books. Um, I really enjoyed Runaways uh, as I kind of I, – I, I, I took a step back um, after reading a couple of the Secret Wars tie-ins that I thought would be kind of standalone and realizing that they really are kind of heavily um, playing into Battleworld and the rules that encompass that. Um, so for Runaways, I had to kind of set the bar a bit lower despite the fact that I did like the creative team. Um, and I guess like I, I'm trying to like play my cards here because um, it is my book of the week. I think that it's a great, great, great book. Um, with a lot of interesting characters, uh, but there's a couple things that I want to note for people who are big fans of Runaways, like me, um, and they're coming to this book and maybe haven't read it yet. And the first thing is that this is only um, a continuation of Runaways uh, in name. There is only really one character that makes an appearance from the original Runaways, and that's Molly Hayes, who you see on the cover. Um, And the rest is kind of like just, I mean, there's 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 characters that you will recognize. Um, what were you thinking, giving Tandy dreads? Somebody, you we we are having words. Whoever decided that was a thing, um, we'll come back to that later. Anyways, um, so they're at a school, like a doom school, right, guys? Yes. Even though you read this. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so they're like at a doom school and basically they're um, trying to be the best of um, the best. And um, it's a bit like, it's more like Morning Glories than it is like Runaways, like the original Runaways. Um, and I think you kind of need to be prepared for that because it's not really in any way, shape or form the original Runaways. But that's not to say that it's bad. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought that it was a very interesting take. Noelle Stevenson is proving herself to be, you know, a really great writer. You know, all these women are starting to come out of the woodworks from web comics and everywhere and just being like, <laughs> if you aren't going to write it, I will write it. I will write the shit out of it. And um, I like it. I like it a lot. You know, Marguerite Bennett. Uh, Noelle Stevenson, Kate Leth, all these women are just like, we will take over the world. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm r- r- rambling more than normal. <laughs> no, no, not more than normal, less than normal, actually. Okay. It's very cogent. Yes. Oh, well, okay, good. People are going to stop listening now. <laughs> okay, Excellent. Steve, let, let's talk this out because you. Well, me? You want me to come? <laughs> no, 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 we're talking this out. This is. I don't want you to take over. I want you to discuss this with me. So, um, Runaway is obviously also a big thing for you. Yes. Um, going into this, what were your thoughts? Like, did it feel like the original series for you when you opened this book? Was it like, ah, back to back to the good old days? Uh, in in a word, no. 
<laughs> That's no. a good word. No, not at all. Um, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like it's in the vein of the previous Runaways uh, series in any way, shape, or form for me. With the exception of Molly being there, there is next to nothing that reminds me of it uh, of the old series. I still enjoyed it a lot. It felt to me um, kind of like the Wolverine and the X Men book of Secret Wars, and I. I'm telling. I'm trying to. I'm telling myself that I wanted it to be different because I really don't. I wasn't expecting Noelle Stevenson to pick up the pieces where everything left off, and I said to myself, "She's going to have to do something wholly different if this is going to be a success." And I think at the end of this run, that it being so different from the other series might end up being its its greatest strength, if you will. Um. It's enjoyable. I like the cast of characters. I, I think that they they work well together. I think it's funny how the team is formed from them all winding up in detention, uh, kind of playing off of the the children of villains um, vibe from the last book and storyline of the last book and stuff like that. Um, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Do we know how many issues this is? I think they're all supposed to be five mm-hmm. issues. I think the Secret War signs, except there's a couple like one shot or, or two parters. But I think they're all supposed to be like I think five mm-hmm. issues. Um, I think the art's a lot of fun. It's highly expressive. Some of the design choices for the characters are interesting. Like Steph had mentioned, uh, the dreads for Tandy, uh, I think, are an interesting choice. I don't know how much I love it, but um, I think it's it's funny. Like. I like I like the the high school kid books and stuff like you know pairing all of these mutants and people with powers and stuff like that. Um, the final page I was kind of waiting for the whole book, and uh, I, I did a I did a fist pump at the end. And uh, I mean it's not the Runaways. I, I it's not going to be like Brian K. Vaughn's Runaways in any any way, shape, or form. But um, it definitely retains the the fun of, of Runaways and and kind of the carefree attitude in in which uh, you know the kids are going to be rolling out on these what I would imagine are going to be big missions and kind of carving their own path, which I think will be interesting to see. Yeah, I, I really liked it. I mean, I have no little to no experience with the original Runaways. Uh, it felt to me, but I, I I knew just by reading it that it was a vastly different book than 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 that original book. Uh, but there's been a few Secret Wars tie-ins that have been like that. It's not without precedent. I mean, the Than uh the Infinity Gauntlet one is is much like this. It has basically nothing to do with the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. So they've been going there some places. Like I said, sometimes like Old Man Logan, it's exactly like the book that came before, and other ones, it's just they they do a departure. Um, I liked it. I thought the characters interacted very well together. I liked the grouping of characters that they chose. I thought that there were some interesting choices there. Um, I liked that they carry over relationships from, you know, the the, the past universe uh, into that I- I- into the book itself. Um, and I, I thought it was a ton of fun, and I, I want to see where it goes. I, I, obviously, they'll be runaways for a different reason at this point. You know, it seems like mm-hmm. they're going to be running away from that school. I think that's gonna mm-hmm. the the deal of it. And that's why the book the book will take its name from. But or uh, yeah. maybe they've run away from home to the school. Bobby. I, don't think, I don't think about. I don't think so, Stephanie. I think they're I think they're in deep trouble, and they're going to be running away from the school. I don't think you know that. I'm pretty sure. 
<laughs> hey, they got cut out of detention. They did. They cut out of detention at Doom School. It's that's not going to be good. Not a, not, a, not a Victor Von Doom's school. No, no I, I, I have as with Bobby. I had no history with this series at all. Though I have, correct me if I'm wrong. The idea of it was they were all children of supervillains. Is how that mm-hmm. sort of worked. Yes. And so right away I knew this was not where that mm. was going. But to see, you know. Scar, the son of the Hulk, and Amadeus Cho in the same book, mm-hmm. and a younger Bucky Barnes sort of as Hall Monitor mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Some interesting interactions. It was very funny. It was light but not airy, but the art gave it some of that back. So it was a nice combination of things. I thought the last page was kind of cool. <laughs> I know there have been some thoughts that I'd think otherwise. <laughs> But I thought that was, a, in this other world, that was a very apt way to handle mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Considering all else that's going on. It's actually Dr. Claw yeah. who's the villain. It's not Dr. Doom. Um, they've merged universes because Disney owns everything. And, um, yeah. So yeah. we, we, that means we have to whistle Inspector Gadget? Mm-hmm. Is that what, yeah? Go, Gadget, go. That was a di- <laughs> dynamite joke, guys. <laughs> Dynamite joke. Awesome joke. <laughs> so, run Is anyone shocked that my book of the week devolved into singing? No. I'm surprised there hasn't been singing earlier. This is the best There were was old singing. lady voice and talk it's, of pizza. It's true. It's true. With old lady voice. You haven't talked about your cat yet. So, with the bingo card hasn't mm. been completely filled out yet. True, 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 true. I fed a chipmunk this week. Okay. Oh, that's close. <laughs> close. Out of my hand. But still, that's another row, though. It's not quite on the... <laughs> filling in another letter somewhere else, so it doesn't quite work. Um, I'm a Disney princess. All right. Now you're just, <laughs> now you're just reaching, all right? <laughs> the bluebirds so. are flying around yeah. your head and various mm-hmm. birds and things. Yeah. 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 Birds came to me. <laughs> they don't know I'm part cat. <laughs> All right, so um, my book of the week is uh, Thor's number one, written by Jason. Yes, I Thor's. Yes, written by Jason Aaron, uh, penciled by Chris Sprouse, with inks by Carl Story and colors by Marte Garcia. Um, and Stephanie alluded to it is, it, I, I I took a picture of the two and I tweeted True Detective season three, uh, but <laughs> it, it's very much it's a detective story uh, that follows two of the Thor the Thor core. Uh, Ultimate Thor and Beta Ray Bill. So they are teaming up, and they're 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 cops on a beat. They're trying to solve an unsolved set of murders. Uh, five people have died in five different worlds of battle worlds, and they have no leads. They don't, they don't know the identity of the person, and there's this impending sense of pun intended doom over their <laughs> heads that. Um, if they don't solve this, something bad will happen to them because they're not doing it. They and could meet their doom. They could meet their doom. All of the tropes of a cop story are here. You know, they they have the 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 chief that kind of yells at them and calls them worthless. Yeah. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. They have the bar that they hang out with. They have you know the the leads they chase down and like the CD informants that that they talk to. They have crabby the, police scientists. Crabby police scientists. They have all of that stuff built in here, just all through the lens of Thor and you know. Steve, we've talked about a couple times how Jason Aaron has like these two modes, right? This mode where he's super serious and super epic, and then this moment, this this mode where he's really zany and, and funny, right? And Wolverine the X Men was yeah. very much that. It was it 
it started out more serious and then became this thing. Once it wasn't the main X Men book anymore, it became this thing where it became very zany and over the top and and interesting in, in those weird ways. Uh, and and this I feel like fits more into that category than the normal Thor book would, especially as Thor got a Thunder Run before um, the the renumbering uh, and the new identity of the character. Would you say it was zany to the max, and there may be baloney in their sacks? No, I would not say that. I would never, ever say anything like that, ever. Because they're Animaniacs? Yeah. They're not Animaniacs, though, Stephanie. Your jokes are not working, all right? Wow. I don't know. You should have left it. You should have left it off without the part about the Animaniacs, and then it just would have seemed like you're being really weird. Yeah, but... I'm always really weird. I know. I'm saying... Horatio Thor. Horatio Thor. <laughs> but there, there's a there's a Groot Thor. You know, there's a, there's a Storm Thor. There's a, a lot of different Thors here. Um, but, you know, I was excited about this book as I, because I thought it was going to carry on kind of what was happening in the main Thor book, just in Secret Wars, and be more of that serious Jason Aaron. And I ended up loving it for the opposite reason why I was expecting to love it. Uh it made me laugh. You know, I was still very interested in, in, in the mystery and the reveal at the end about what's going on is, is, is very fascinating and, and very um, daunting for the character to try to figure out. It also hints at bringing in another version of, of a, another Thor that could be very, very, I don't know what's going to happen, how she, that character is going to relate to this. And I'm excited to see where it goes. I had a great, great time reading it. It's just from page one to the last page. I just, I just loved it. Hundred percent. Awesome, uh, uh, Stephanie. You read it, right? I did. What did you think? I liked it, but I was like, "Am I supposed to take this seriously?" Because all I can really think of is this is CSI Thor's. <laughs> um, so what's wrong with the detective story? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> he really brought the hammer down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like. Okay, I I can picture this with really like oh, weird um, atmospheric music. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can picture like a knockoff Chris Hemsworth for TV playing <laughs> um, the character mm-hmm. and the the hokey lines. I'm like ninety nine point nine percent sure when he wrote this, he was like, "Yes, let's base this off CSI." Well, he's definitely basing it off a very kind of stereotypical cop show. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's what he's yeah. going for. I might be able to get Oma to read a comic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's definitely going for laughs, I think, in a lot of it, you know, but it's like straddling that line between it, it's very funny sometimes and then it's also dealing with some serious stuff as well, obviously, as, as it goes along. Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it enough for like a single issue. I don't know if I'll go back and read it month to month. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll read it in trade, but it didn't feel like something I wanted to. Um, I was like uh, grabby hands, like give me, give me, give me, get <laughs> away. I, you know, like CSI is a show that you watch if nothing else is on, and you happen to just want to watch TV for the sake of watching TV, and that's kind of what this felt like to me. Yeah, but it's not CSI though. I mean, there's there's an overarching story happening here, and it stars sure, Thor's. That's what CSI tries to tell you too. No, CSI does yeah, not. They do. They're like, oh, we're gonna get that that 
person who buries everyone alive. CSI. CSI does exactly the opposite of that. It wants you to know that you can watch any episode ever and never have to know how it connects to anything else. That's the point of those shows. Every show on CBS. Um, I talked a lot about the story, though, but the art by Chris Sprouse is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, he's a gorgeous penciler, um, does, does awesome stuff, and seeing him do these big, huge action scenes where, you know, Beta Ray Bill is fighting ghost riders in, in Weird World, um, you know, that stuff is just fantastic, and, you know, Storm getting in a tussle with, with a not-so-nice uh, other Thor. Uh, and if she hurts her arm, she could be like, you know what, this feels a little Thor. <laughs> <laughs> great great um but not me this week no nope. it's not me this week I'll try the veal yeah bobby this is not my fault <laughs> i'm usually the one with the puns i know exactly whose fault it is everybody so you don't have to worry about that <laughs> but i loved thor's number one despite stephanie belittling the work of jason aaron and chris Sprouse. it was a great book um all right. <laughs> so I don't think Stephanie even knows because she wasn't on the show at the beginning when I announced this. But um, we're gonna about to talk about our shared book of the week, which is The Fiction by Curtis Pierce and David Robin. And um, what was that? What's the title called, Bobby? The Fiction. The Fiction. It's called The Fiction. Yes. Mm. Yes. <laughs> Just like I said last week, it's called The Fiction. I said that last week. Uh-huh. 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 Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Everybody's behind me. I'm just gonna hit stop on this on this thing. <laughs> uh, but we're gonna bring on uh, Joey Bracino, who, yeah. who maybe, maybe he'll maybe he'll what's this BS? who who reviewed the book for us on the site. So I'm gonna I'm gonna call him if he picks up. Let's see if he picks up. Has he been listening? He hasn't been. I don't know if he's been listening. But oh, that's I, good. I, 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 did, I <laughs> that's sent him a message saying, "Do you want to be on at nine? And it's nine oh one. He's bagging and boarding like a fiend right now. So we're calling him. We're doing it live. It's happening. Um, but yeah. So, Joey, are you there? Hello. Hello, Joey. Hey, guys. What's up? How you doing, sir? I'm good. You have you don't even know what you've walked yourself into. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> there has been singing. Stephanie has taken the entire show off the rails, so it is your responsibility, Joey, to get it back on track. Oh, that's a, that's a terrible, terrible uh, plan here. How's that for an intro? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, how's it going, dude? It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been uh, busy with school and everything, but finally into summer break, which was well uh, well worth the wait here. <laughs> uh, definitely needed this little break here. Mm. So, uh, any any new? Th- are you doing any theater in, uh, on, over the break? Yeah, um, I do a, a summer program for teenagers down in uh, in Central Jersey. Uh, we're doing a show called Things to Ruin, which nobody has ever heard mm-hmm. of, which makes it cool because we're doing something that uh, no one's ever done. And uh, probably will ever do again. So, awesome, awesome. Um, so you reviewed the fiction. For, I did for for the site. Yes. Um, so do you want to do you want to tell the listeners home what the fiction is about? Uh, sure. Uh, the fiction is uh, for a new series from Boom Studios by. Hold on, just scrolling through here. Uh, Kurt Pires. Kurt Pires. What are we saying? I don't know. Pyres. 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 Okay. Pyres. I kind of like Pires, but yeah. Kurt Pyres. I say Pires, and I'm sure it's wrong. <laughs> uh, with art by uh, David Rubin and colors by Michael Garland, letters by Colin Bell. Uh, the fiction is um, 
basically there's this kind of mysterious floating book that uh, these kids encounter and it kind of sends them off into crazy alternate fun fantasy dimensions. Uh, but that was in the past. And then our present situation is these kids have kind of grown up been disillusioned and disengaged. And then all of a sudden the book comes back into one of their lives and uh, tragedy strikes and a mystery unfurls from there. Um, it's a kind of crazy surreal book in a lot of ways the whole kind of fiction element this idea of fantasy plays out uh, in a lot of very different interesting ways over the course of the book um and i think there are a lot of really cool artistic things in particular that happened with this book that um i particularly found uh engaging and interesting um and impressive too uh while reading so, so you, you you liked the book the review was positive i did i really did enjoy it um i think that there may be some readers that are kind of thrown by how much Pyers relies on his art to kind of tell his story. There's a lot kind of left unsaid in the book. Um, and I think that looking at other people's responses online, there seemed to be a lot of, uh, I don't know if this book had a lot going on inside of it um, in terms of plotting and, and story. Um, and I, I can see where that kind of criticism plays out because there is a lot of, you know, kind of silent montages that, that play out over the course of the book that uh, I suppose could throw some readers. Mm. Uh, I, got a, I got a very serious kind of Stephen King it vibe to, to, to the way the book is set up. Mm. Um, as you're mentioning, yes. kind of the setup of it being kids who encounter something, and then they've kind of moved on and, and kind of forgotten about it, even though it was a it was a very intense thing that happened to them. And then once it comes back into their lives, they they are kind of thrust back in to what 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 is turning into a, a very dangerous situation for, for them. Yeah, enticed by it, even they want yes. it a little bit, which is interesting. Yeah, except the one character Max, who doesn't want to or can't believe, yeah, what happened before. He wants to put a real world spin on it, which is more horrible at some level yeah. than right the other. And that's a great. I mean, overall impressions of the book, I, I I enjoyed it a lot. I thought that it had a lot going for it, and I liked that Stephen King vibe. Definitely worked for me. Um, that that sort of falling into into a fictional world. Uh, I always am a sucker for for stories like that, and I I love the generational idea of, of the idea of the, your past catching up with you and not being able to just stuff the stuff that happened to you when you're younger under the carpet. You have to deal mm. with it. And these people, these guys, never dealt with it, and, and now they're they're being forced to deal with it. And mm. I I liked that a lot about the story, and I thought the art worked really well. I, you know, it says something to me that. Look, the, the, the art that's laid out when you have these silent montages, those things are so scripted, right? The writer is still um, coming up with, you know, what has to happen on those pages. And I think it, it says a lot about, I think, some, maybe it's being green, but I, it speaks to me of a confidence to be to have the faith in your your artists that, they, that they, you don't need all these words on the page to kind of bring it forward. And I liked th those sections of the book. So overall, for me, I really enjoyed what the fiction was bringing. Bob, what did you think of it? Same thing. I Really interesting setup. It's an old idea. It's mm -hmm. an old saw yes. of falling into a book, or and we over the last fifty or sixty years has been done a lot. But that doesn't mean you know it can't be done well and and interesting with a. Even if these characters aren't the most fleshed out ever, you can see that we're going to get pieces of them because mm -hmm. their actions are giving you 
clues to who they are. The character Max, who doesn't want to hear about it anymore, changes his mind. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, th- that speaks to something inside him that he maybe he didn't do before that we'll, we'll see moving forward. Nice cliffhanger, a little obvious. We're going to have to go there. But so we have a, a, what strikes me as a, a story I want to read more of, and the artwork pulled it across the finish line. The, the one page during those silent montages that is, the right-hand uh, gutter is basically flipping pages mm. while they keep changing worlds. I've never seen that. Yeah. I've never seen that before. And in one of the worlds, this little dungeon area is She-Hulk, mm-hmm. Wonder Woman, Loki, the big bad wolf dressed as grandma. <laughs> and it's all these little things going on. A lot of what, what they used to call in the old Mad Magazine days, chicken fat. The stuff going on to look for. Little bits and pieces as the story goes from world to world, time frame to time frame. I think it, as we get to these other worlds, if the, it can stay to that promise and that invention, it's going to be something really special here. Mm-hmm. It it could fall apart in a heartbeat. Yeah. But I don't think so. I think there's a promise here that this is going to be pretty good. Yeah, that idea too of like almost the line in which in the wardrobe, right, where these kids go somewhere and they leave it and when they come back at a certain point, things have gone really, really wrong. Yeah. And I, I like that idea too. Well, what's her, what, what's Cassie's line? This isn't good. This isn't good, yeah. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, what did you think of the fiction? Um, I liked it. It felt, I don't know if any of you guys have read The Unridden before. Yeah, um, a little bit. But it was basically The Unridden, but like if it had been written like in an alternate dimension. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, but it wasn't. It's hard to mention. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been that night. anyways um but yeah no it really felt like it it kind of came from a place where maybe kurt read the unwritten and was like oh i really like this book but what if this um what if we made it this what if the characters were this what if the books you know uh what if all this comes back to haunt these characters later um and that's really kind of what struck me right off the bat. It was it felt very familiar to me already, um, and that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, uh, the unwritten is basically Harry Potter. Um, it's just again like an alternate sort of take on Harry Potter, um, and this is like it felt like an alternate take on the unwritten, and it's just so meta. It's just all these things looking in the mirror, looking in the mirror, looking in the mirror. <laughs> Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I thought the art was great. And, uh, David Rubin is, um, I actually just finished reading an advanced review copy of the fall of the house of West. And he is the artist on, um, that, and that's the sequel to the rise of Aurora West. Oh, awesome. Um, and his art is phenomenal in that. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that he did a great job, um, here and the, the team up between him and Kurt. Uh, really worked well. So I will be checking out a second issue to see if it's something I'll be reading month to month or trade waiting. But either way, I think I would like to at least um, go through the first volume and see how uh, the vision plays out. Cool. Is this a four issue miniseries? Uh, Yes, Yes. it is. Oh, great. Yeah, it is. Uh, Steve, what do you think of it? Oh, we lost Steve again. (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't me. 
Steve's I'll having take some, the blame for that one. Steve's having some internet problems. No, he had some problems before earlier in the show too. Oh, well, then I won't take the blame. No, for don't, that. don't take any blame for that. <laughs> don't take any blame for that. Um, when he gets back, we'll, we'll let him finish finish his point. Um, I did. I, I really love the the way they illustrated the transitions, but you know when they kind of went into to the world, uh, the kind of like the like almost like the walls kind of melting away mm-hmm. and yeah. how that's, I, I, I love that stuff about it. I loved kind of like the, the trance state they would go into as the book would kind of take over their kind of consciousness as they read. Um, that kind of reminded me a little bit like a Lovecraftian type, type of type of thing. And hmm. it, it was a great confluence, I think of influences. And, and sometimes Bob, as you're saying, you know, con- a confluence of influences can create something original. It can create something yes new and the familiar the familiarity of coming into a story where you kind of understand the unwritten language of it you know you understand that this is a story that reminds you of the unwritten or reminds you of it or reminds you of you know several other stories it can make the the ease into a new tale much easier and it's kind of like you know going back to something even though it's something new and I think that can be very important for a book, especially like this, trying to enter kind of the, the market again, you know, um, a, a, a for the first time, you know, in a very crowded place. And it could also then make the surprises that much more fun. Yeah. Because it, it then takes you, you're riding a horse and it keeps going and you're, you think you're going straight and it goes left. Yeah. And you're sort of, oh, wait a minute, I got to play catch up here. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And well, R2 is that I think all the characters are very well drawn and very distinctive from one another. And you, you know, there's never a point where you're confused about who you're dealing with or what's going on. Even though the story gets very delightfully trippy as you go along, I never felt like I was, I was out of sorts. What, what was mm-hmm. happening in the story? Yeah. The art's sort of a combination with maybe Dean Haspiel, uh, Javier Polito. Yeah, yeah. It's cartoony right. but weighty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like how at the beginning it's very cartoony for the kids, and then it gets more adults, but still very cartoonist even when, even when they're adults. But it's especially innocent looking when they're kids. Um, Steve of the Internet Troubles, how are you? I'm doing great. You're very Robotronic, sir. What's that? Uh, you're, you're you're very. I can barely understand you. All right, maybe I'll just uh, maybe I'll just bow out. Okay, dude. <laughs> yeah, we only, we got like five more minutes left anyway, so you're good. Best of Bronwyn. Right. Yeah, so Take give everyone to the front. All right, bye, Steve. Bye, bye. All right, he's gone. Let's talk about him. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bobby, you're so awful. God. I know I'm the worst. Jesus. Uh, Joey, any final thoughts on the fiction? Um, no, you were just talking about the artwork, and, and one of the things I'm just looking at now, kind of flipping through it, is uh, the layouts generally, even when we're out of the um, trippiness of the, the 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 fantasy book, you know, the the nine panel pages. It's kind of a it's kind of a vintage kind of thing to to hit, and the variety of the paneling I think is just really, really interesting and different and um uh, just again, kind of speaks to how uh, cool I've, I, I think this book really is. Yeah, I, I love that first. I'm looking at right now the first page where they first enter that, the dream, the world when they're kids, and there's all of those colors, like all those colored like streams coming down a- around them, and they're sort right. of falling with those crystals. It's just very stark and very colorful and very beautiful. And yeah, I, I think that Bob, I think you hit it on the head. Like if it can execute on kind of what it's going for, it can be something pretty special. Um, and I think, uh, I think, uh, Kurt Pires, I'm going to say his name like nice. that now, I'm going to adopt the new way of saying it. Kurt Pires. Kurt Pires. <laughs> with, with this and pop and mayday, I think is becoming an interesting voice in the comic book world. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what he does go- going forward. 
Um, let me read out some of our, our community's ah, yeah, reactions to, to this this book. Um, Milena says, The fiction number one is an okay read. The story was quite interesting. I didn't like the art very much, but I love the colors in the book. Um, Ross Aftermath says, The fiction number one was a really cool book. I really loved the art. The story was strange, but interesting enough to keep my attention. Uh, Music City Comics says, "Fiction was The, the fiction was very fast-paced and imaginative. Uh, disemboweling Pinocchio was odd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> didn't love it, but we'll stick around for issue two. Um... Uh, this is Jason Dunn says, I look forward to the, to the book of the week, but the fiction just wasn't my cup of tea. Reminds me of one of those teen movies about the dad, the dad, um, the dad gum group of kids getting into shenanigans. One of them goes missing or dies. Then it happens to, to one of them as an adult. And now they all come together to solve the mystery. Well, that's kind of exactly what the book is about. Uh, I enjoyed the artwork and vivid (laughs) colors, but the story never really pulled me in. Here's to next week. Um, Eric Houston says, really enjoyed the fiction. First issue definitely sets up the intrigue and Ruben's art suits the surreal world. Um, then some guy named Joey Pacino tweeted with the hashtag saying that he reviewed the book. Uh, at Stimuli File says, the tone is confusing. The art conveys lumberjanes, but maybe he was trying to go for a more of a horror vibe. Um, Carol Channing Tatum says, I enjoyed the fiction number one, though I'm not fully sold on it yet, possibly due to my concerns that it would be too like the unwritten. However, the art colors included was lovely and effective. It's too early for me to fully judge, though. Too many mysteries. I will say that you brought the book's existence to my attention, so thanks for that. Um, and the voice unheard says, who's the at Infinity Watcher says, fiction is a book that I did not, uh, I did not read. I just wanted to say how much I love the show. To say hi to Bob. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. So we need what a is- fans choice week and we will do a fans choice week. Do, do not. Oh, what a great idea. Do not fret. Yes. Stephanie had that idea months ago. I, I don't, li- I wasn't listening. No, apparently not. <laughs> I was actually listening. This is what I've been missing. Yes, you were. God damn it, everyone. <laughs> no one listens to me. I listened to you, Stephanie, for once. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you. I appreciate the comment today, Steph. What? You got that very nice comment on uh, Twitter today. I I did. About um. I got like a couple mixed things. Like it was like I was like, oh, thank you so much for everyone who like backed me up on the Starfire stuff. Like, thanks guys. Like that means a lot to me. And then like it was like, yeah, you're welcome. And then it would be like, and then like somebody like was like, well, let me tell you why people don't like you. (laughs) And I was like. Thank you. People are wonderful. Wow. Uh, that one guy did make a funny joke, though, saying, like, I, I don't like your opinions unless they're the same as Bob's, and then you're wrong. Yeah. I, thought, <laughs> yeah. I, thought that was funny. I did enjoy that. That was a pretty funny one. Yeah. I like that one a lot. But were you listening earlier, Stephanie, when I apologized? I, I only caught the tail end of that. Oh, okay. Yes. But I, I heard through the Maria Mara grapevine um, <laughs> that the Carolyn uh, Counting system got to you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. The, the misfits chain of command. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. no, I, I, Maria and I were, were emailing back and forth, mm-hmm. and it was about six or seven, and we write really long <laughs> letters, as you can imagine. And I think we each made lovely points to each other mm-hmm. and, and had each other thinking about things. And I say, let me go back through the art, and there's a, yeah. Carolyn Coca has a system. <laughs> and it's look for certain things. And I went, okay, I'll start counting what's the percentage. And there were many more images that were troublesome than I originally thought. So I, you were sort of just coming into the room, Stephanie, when I said, well, I, you turned out to be right. And so I was wrong. Hmm. I'll never admit when Stephanie is right and I'm wrong, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> I don't know how I became an old man. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that would be me. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, Bob, you're delightful. <laughs> and old. You can be delightful and old. Yes. Those are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> not you, Bobby. <laughs> no, I'm going to be a cranky old bastard, so it's all right. Um, Stephanie, what are you going to pick for the book of the week this week? Um, there's honestly not a lot of number ones coming out this week, so I've got some... Um, I, I had I had had things cut out for me. What what is happening? Ugh. Anyways, I think uh, because we were talking about Disney princesses and because I basically am one, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Chipmunks and birds came to me this weekend. They came to me. They were like, "Hey, bitch, you want me to do your laundry?" And I was like, "Oh my god, please!" <laughs> what <laughs> is happening? <laughs> I told you, Joey. I told you. Yeah. You, you, you sounds amazing. <laughs> I have photo. I have photographic proof that this happened. By the way, wait, wait, no, wait a minute. No, no, not that they asked you. What they asked you to do your laundry? laundry? Yeah. No. I have photographs of these chipmunks talking to me. <laughs> I have yeah. photographs of them coming to me and being my friends. Did you? Have, I think did you have not... in your hand, Stephanie. No. Yes. I definitely yes. Didn't I steal you it from the ground where some kids had thrown it down, <laughs> and I definitely didn't scurry over, pick it up, and then run over to my own spot and try to. Just, like get the squirrels and chipmunks to come to me. I think it could be less Disney princess and more unbeatable squirrel girl. That's true. That's all I'm thinking. Yeah, that's true. Hmm. Superpowers, mm-hmm. Steph. See, Bobby, take some notes. This is why Bob's beloved to me. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So. So what are we reading next week, mm-hmm. Ms. Cook? I I realize this one. I haven't heard a lot about it, so Uh-oh. um, I, it might There's be one of those. Uh oh, ones, but Mulan Revelations number one, uh, written by Mark Andreco and with art by Micah Kaneshiro. So, uh, the synopsis is Though the future boasts endless technological wonders, only a very few can afford access to them. As a new virus rages through the rich and poor, threatening all of humanity, a warrior is awakened to stop the evil puppeteers behind it all. Centuries after her ancestor and namesake fought for China, a new Mulan has been chosen by the ancient Chinese immortals in a final battle for the world. It's well. cyberpunk Mulan. Wow. Yep. Yeah. It's Dark Horse. So everybody so, knows. How, uh, well, I, Mulan's public domain. It's a yeah, real... Yeah, totally. Right, yeah, okay. Absolutely. Because I yeah. couldn't see Disney doing this. <laughs> no, <laughs> hilarious. Cyberpunk it's, Mulan. There's some art from it. Wow. It's pretty nice. I'm excited, Stephanie. I was not. I, I had no idea this book was even coming out, so it should be fun to check out. Yeah, I was looking through um, the what was coming out tomorrow, and I saw this and was like, "Oh, what is this?" And you know, as we were um, discussing the book of the week for this week, I was like, "Oh, reading through," and I was like, "This could be interesting." I mean, it could be awful, but it also could be really good. So let's it's check it out different. and find out together. Yeah, absolutely. See, I remember. What was the the thread was about? I think it was Zenoscope or something, mm. and we were having a whole discussion about characters and various versions and which ones were for kids or not. Mm. And I remember making a joke about a triple max dynamite version of Little Mermaid, where you know someone rams a trident through someone's <laughs> chest. Well, we could have that here. It's true. It's absolutely true. Uh, I, this could be very interesting. Absolutely. I'm thinking. So Mulan Revelations, Revelations number one from Dark Horse Comics is your. Talking Comics Book of the Week. wonder who would mm-hmm. star in the movie. Uh, <laughs> use hashtag <laughs> TCBOTW on Twitter to interact with us on that one. And thank you so much, everyone, for all the reactions you've given over these these months that we've been doing it. It's been, it's been really great. One of my favorite parts of, of the entire show. Um, important questions. Joey, how's the bagging and boarding going? Oh, dude, it's been, like, <laughs> so tedious. <laughs> I've, I've been, I, I think that the last time I bagged a 
uh, and boarded was Wicked and Divine number three. So what oh, are we up wow. to right now? Like uh, 11, 12. So yeah, it's been so like, like eight or nine months. Um, now compound that, like bagging eight months of books with the fact that like today's also like my birthday. So it's like... Yeah. Happy it's birthday. An, thank you. It's like this existential crisis kind of day, I think. <laughs> oh my God, I read all these books. Oh my God, they're all $3 each. What yeah. am I doing? <laughs> How much money could I have saved right now if That's I hadn't right, bought all these exactly. comics? Um, so it's been, a, it's been an interesting day. Yeah. So everybody, I mean, it's going to pass when we listen to this, but everyone should wish Joey a very happy birthday um, on, on Twitter, um, at Joey Pacino, right? That is correct. Yes. yes. Can I help you with your existential crisis a bit? Oh, sure. Accepting some w- weird quirks of mine where I kept bagging Fantastic Fours because I felt like it, I probably haven't really bagged books in like five years <laughs> because... They're never worth more than the three dollars <laughs> yeah, that I just bought them for. There are exceptions. Yeah, I mean, they're, absolutely. They're, yes. You know, and that they deserve a mm. bag and a board, and just I put them in a box. I put them in. I mm-hmm. go buy a white box and then go in a box, and maybe I'll put a bag across the top so dust mm. doesn't settle in them. But it's just they're also look a bag of bags used to be four dollars. Mm. They're not anymore. No, they're seven or eight. Yeah, for a hundred like that. I haven't bought. I haven't done it. in I haven't bag or boarded in couple of years either two a year, a year maybe yeah. maybe a year and a half i get them i get them with the pull list so it's like oh that's good then all right yeah. complimentary then then you do it yeah uh i just yeah i and i honestly like i've been kind of like cycling out my single issues at a certain point like i just when i collect like a arc or a trade i'll especially the indie stuff i'll just give the most of the time just give it away give it somebody yeah. the single issues and, and buy the trade just so i, I can have it in, in easier form but yeah there's nothing to worry about too bagging for too long yeah. You do it for too long. You get all crampy in the hands mm. and the rest of it. Oh, but... my God. And you got to bend over because you're like on the table. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's oh, a whole yeah. thing. It's better if you stop and read them while you're doing <laughs> it. But the first time I went really nuts with this, I bought Mylars and mm. Mylites with the, the thin versions, mm-hmm. with a crinkly, whatever. And I was doing this, and it was about four in the morning. And I, it's not that I was even drinking or anything. I wanted to be focused, but I was just really tired. And I got to the last book in the last box. And it was Marvel Team-Up number one. And it was about 10 years old, and it had some value. It has more mm. value now, but not the copy I used to have. Mm. Mylars are like razor blades. And at putting it into the Mylar envelope, I caught it. I split it up the middle and cut my thumb and bled and ripped the book in half. So do not the, – the moral of this story is do not bag and board at 4 o'clock in the morning when you're tired. <laughs> Unless you're wearing gloves, yeah. I uh, search and search, you know, search gloves that police use so they don't get stuck with things. Yeah, that might be the only way to do it. Uh, used to be, just you put them in a plastic bag, get a plastic garbage bag and twist tie, and just put like a hundred in a bag. <laughs> just throw them in the basement. Throw them in the basement, and they get all rotten, and bugs live in them. And but they're they're fun. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> this has been brought to you by the Plastics Council. <laughs> uh, so, um, just to remind everybody, um, Saturday, September the 5th, which is Labor Day weekend, uh, we're going to be doing our 200th episode live barbecue and um, live recording uh, of the podcast. So, if you're interested in coming, please, we already have a, a bunch of RSVPs. Um, send an RSVP to podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. Just make sure you put 200th episode 
to another episode of RSVP in the subject line, just so it's easy for me to search. I can find all of them. I can get all the information to everybody as, as we go along. Um, I hope to see as many people there as possible. I think it's going to be a, a, f- a fun time. Is it possible Joey is coming? It is. It's possible. I'm going to try so hard. Try. Um, my fiance's bridal shower is earlier that day. Oh, oh yeah, it's going to be tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I we're relatively was... local. We might be able to swing by yeah. later in the day. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll continue to live two hours from Joey and never meet him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, um, the studio is coming along nicely here. Bob can attest to that. We've got some nice artwork and starting to move some of the junk around. Yes, we got a nice we, table now we're sitting at. Oh, it's very posh. I feel very NPR right now. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Uh, we got nice lighting in here, nice soft lighting in here. Uh, still building it out, still some mess that we have to get rid of, but it's coming along, and that's all thanks to the folks from Patreon uh, donating and giving us that. Uh, we, we can't thank you enough. Um, if you are a Patreon member and you're $15 and up, we stream the podcast live uh, every week. Um, at, at you know around seven seven thirty it starts and it ends around now or later usually yeah, later later usually later we got started pretty on time this week which is a big change for us um and uh, you listen to that live and it will be up you know it'll be up on the Patreon page you know for good so you can always check that out um you also get behind the scenes stuff I do a little behind the scenes video every week you know you know what's going on with the site and with the show um so you find those there uh you're, you get exclusive Patreon podcast for twenty five dollars and up that's already already up um for you for this past month so check that out if you haven't checked it out yet um and also um if you're 15 dollars and up you get brewed and boarded live supposed to be once a month but we're so many months behind that i'm gonna try to do it every week uh, on friday at around 6 p.m eastern standard time so if ever you're around to join in um and you're a patreon member uh please do that uh we would love to talk to you and, and just and just hang out um yeah, and uh, that's all supports TalkingComicBooks.com, which is the website you can go to for all our reviews and, and articles uh, and our bevy of podcasts. You're listening to Talking Comics, but of course, there's The Misfits with Stephanie Cook, Melissa Megan, and Mara Wood. Uh, just a general recommendation show this week, Stephanie? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. and then next week we are doing um, Book Club, and we're doing a comic book. We're doing the first volume of East of West. Very cool. Ooh. Very, very cool. Uh, talking Movies, Brian Verderosa, Chris Oliphant, and Nick Scalia. Um, they, they're starting their Spike Lee uh, uh, curriculum this week. <laughs> so they started with Malcolm X. Um, and they also did a little fantasy recasting of Face Off. So listen to that. Oh. You hear that? Yeah. Um, so listen listen to those those jokers talk about movies. Uh Talking Games, Steve Say, uh, Justin Townsend, uh, Jackie Turner, Rob Newmeyer, uh, still doing post E3 game stuff. I believe I'm going to be on the show oh. this week. So definitely tune in for that. Yes. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> talking Valiant w- w- with Adam Shaw. And we also, of course, have our special edition feed. Uh, backup stories is a little bit hiatus right now, but that's with Justin Townsend and Rob Newmeyer. And then, of course, Comics and Coffee with myself and Nikki Alfaro. We should be back this week. Nikki was sick. Last week, oh. so we could not. We feel could better, not, Nick. Yeah, um, and that's all of the crazy stuff that, that we do. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Comics, of course. Um, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics and podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. My personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Stephanie, I am at Hello Cookie. Joey, at Joey Bracino, B R A C C I N O. And Bobby, your email address: Bob Breyer at TalkingComicBooks.com. And of course, uh, Steve's is at dead underscore anchorus. Um, 
also for for next week we were gonna talk about this week we kind of hit the time we we, we had so much news to talk about that that cropped up that we ended up talking about it but stephanie this past week sent me a very interesting article uh written by kieran gillen where he talks about the realities of how much books sell and how much yes. what actually means success and what doesn't um i think we should put a link to that in, in the show notes uh, I'm saying this on the air so Stephanie can do it because I know I'll forget. Um, and so kind of like homework for everybody. Check it out. We're going to next week go over kind of the sales numbers and see as far as the indie stuff goes, like what is really a success and what isn't, you know, extended just guesstimating from the perspective of someone who's actually in the middle of it all. So I think that should be a pretty cool little thing to talk about. Um, a very big happy birthday to Joey, of course. Thank you, guys. Yeah. Um, Glad you made it out of the destruction of Jersey City and Ms. Marvel. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and... I have a cool thing. Yes. That's going oh, on I've been to bring that up at the beginning of the show, the Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned it last week briefly, um, but I was like, oh, my life is in shambles. I don't know when this is actually going live because I don't read emails. Um, anyways, so I am a part of a book called The Secret Loves of Geek Girls. And um, the Kickstarter for it went live yesterday, uh, Monday, the 22nd. Um, I am writing uh, something for this collection and i i just saw the list of people like when this went live and now i'm terrified um because my first published work will be alongside margaret atwood yeah no big deal um so it's like margaret atwood um kate leth marguerite bennett uh rachel deering um uh, like it's just oh yeah trina Trina Robbins is doing a piece. I'm like, oh, no pressure, guys. Meanwhile, I'm like, do you think I could write a piece about my love life from the perspective of my cat? <laughs> like, cool, great. Margaret Atwood will own this and be like, wow, what is this creature? <laughs> they, they should look to their laurels. That's all I'm saying. Um, but my point being is um, I will only be forced to actually finish writing what I've started writing um, if this is successful and it's been live for almost uh, I don't even think it's been live for 24 hours and it's at $21,000 of the pledged uh, pledge sorry of uh, our goal of 37000 wow. very nice so better get uh, writing kid <laughs> yeah if you guys want to see <laughs> the most ridiculous story or piece ever written alongside actual professionals please head to secretloves.ca and that'll take you directly to the kickstarter um, where you can find all the information on um, that on how you can back it and um, again force me to write something that I'll probably be mortified um, is alongside Harker Atwood for the rest of my life <laughs> You know, I, I have a feeling Margaret Atwood would love a story about someone's love life told from the perspective of a cat. I Maybe. She's I, I, just have a, I just have this, like, inkling that she would totally <laughs> dig that. Maybe. She lives in Toronto. She's actually drawing comics for this, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's cool. cool. Yeah. 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 My friend Hope, who is uh, actually putting this anthology together... Um, has worked with her before, and um, she has a photo of Margaret Atwood um, reading sex criminals for the first time ever. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, 
I'm pretty stoked. There's actually an like I haven't even you know I, I touched on a couple of the big names there, but this list is crazy good. Um, and you know, even if I wasn't a part of it, I'd be pimping this because it's fantastic, and you should definitely definitely check it out. Absolutely, put a put a link to that also in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> I shall, Bobby. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, it was funny because people I saw people start to tweet about it, and I was like, is this the thing that Stephanie was talking about? And then all like like three hours later, you're like, oh, I do a Kickstarter thing. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> um, I'm terrified. Uh, Maria you're gonna Norris, you do great. Yes. She yeah, has read. She yeah. she's read a page and a half of what I've written so far, and she seems to enjoy it. So, um, Maria, you'd better not be lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, awesome, awesome. That's gonna do it for the Talking Comics yeah. podcast uh, for this week. Um, Check out all those links that we were talking about. Uh, all very worthwhile. Check out the Kickstarter because we all want to see Stephanie write a story about her love life, the perspective oh, yeah. of her cat. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's, <laughs> there's nobody who doesn't want to see <laughs> yeah. that. So let's make it happen. Oh, especially with Margaret Atwood illustrations. Yes, yes, yeah. You have the power, people, to do that. So make sure you do that. But I can't ask for anything more. That's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Bob. Good night. Joey. Adios. And Stephanie. Bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs>